Welcome, one and all. It is uh, the time. Actually, it's not the time. It's Funkatopia Live. Welcome, one and all, y'all. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, welcome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I welcome to Funkatopia Live. I am your host, Mr. Christopher, with my illustrious co-host Jeff Page is in the house. And uh we've been gone a couple weeks, but you know, as I said, you know, when we we take a break for a couple weeks, then we uh we come with it. We come with it. You know, I actually had uh you know, all my my stuff, my jewelry and whatnot, like my my necklace and everything, and I did not I, uh -oh. I didn't wear any of it. I, I don't know where my my bag of goodies went to, so uh, I don't. Whatever, I'm gonna be uh, blingless tonight. Uh, I, I, I can't go blingless. I feel just as naked without at least something. I'm just not comfortable without something. Well, welcome one and all to Funkatopia Live. We have a very special guest tonight that will be joining us uh, here momentarily after we get through the news. Robin Power Royal. Many of you know her as Robin Power. Some people know Robin Power Royal, but and a lot of you, a lot of you Prince fans know her from Graffiti Bridge, but her resume and life are so much more colored and adventurous than just that little film. Deep. Um, you know, and I wanted to actually, I wanted to actually capture a couple of clips from that movie to to play during the interview. So for those of you who are listening on the Funked Up app, uh, you should go ahead and visit us on Facebook.com/slash/Funkatopia or YouTube.com/slash/Funkatopia, and then uh, you can actually see some of the visuals that we're going to have. And Robin's going to have some visuals in the background as well. And um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a visual Tuesday. It's That's a very very visual <laughs> visual Tuesday. Uh, yeah. So so those of you who are just on the app, uh, you know what to do. You know next time you're uh, you're where you can be, watch the show, and you'll catch all the stuff you didn't see visually. In preparation for the show, you obviously saw on Facebook we actually had um, you know a lot of dialogue of people going back and forth talking about you know just Robin in general. Some people are a little bit concerned that there's just some concern, obviously. Right. Uh, and that's fine. I get it. I get it because she got to date Prince and you didn't. I got it. I understand. You <laughs> <laughs> know what it is. Uh, it's, it's just kind of obviously, you know, you are, are you already well aware that here at Funkatopia Live, we are very, very respectful of Prince's legacy and the stories and making sure that we continue to move his legacy forward. Right. But you also have to understand that there are people that have lots of stories. You know it. We all know it. There were tons of stories. The man slept two hours a day. There's tons of stories. He's had, he's affected tons of people's lives. He's been in tons of people's lives. And you've seen all the books that have been written, the countless books that have been written. I mean, you know, Maite's book, that's Dickerson's book, Brown Mark's book. It's all these people all have their own stories. Everybody that was in Prince's life for a specific period of time, they all have stories. And is their right to be able to share those stories however they want, whenever they want, in whatever type of <clears throat> situation that they want? It's just, you know, uh, you have to you have to be able to respect that. Exactly. Um, so I did actually. So I wanted to make sure that. 
you guys understand, you know, if you guys are easily offended, um, you go just, I would go ahead and because we are, not, it's going to be no holds barred tonight. We just want to have a little bit of fun. We want to, we want to get Robin's stories and she is uh, just, she's got some amazing right. stories. So I just want to get some of those stories. Go ahead. Jeff. And let me just say that that doesn't mean anything's going to be negative or positive because remember, this isn't about negative or positive positive. This is about what happened. That's it. And someone who wasn't there, shouldn't complain about whether something did or didn't happen. Bottom line is someone else's truth may not match what you want to hear or believe and either let it go or just don't be here because this, that's just what it is. So Robin Powers, uh, Robin Powers is going to be here and she's going to speak and say whatever the topic is and whatever we're talking about, she's going to tell her truth. And uh, it may be beautiful. So mm -hmm. you know, come oh, in open-minded. I'm going to make sure it's beautiful. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he got no choice. It's Robin Power Royal. You see it? Right. <laughs> All right. So, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit more and then we're going to bring her in. And we're just going to just go ahead and just let this night happen. Obviously, Jeff Page, um, you know how many moving parts I have going on right now, with, especially with the video. One, of, We tried to up, we tried to play a video directly from my computer, but whatever the reasoning was, it was getting really, really, um, just it was getting bumpy. So I uploaded some videos here. And so it's really, really important to understand that if I play a video, we cannot talk when that video is playing. So that kind of sucks. Um, so just know that I have a couple video clips that if I have to play them, nobody can talk over it. We can't talk over it. So we just got to be careful about that. But anyways, all right, let's do it, shall we? Here it is. Welcome to Funkatopia Live. Again, I am your host, Mr. Christopher. If you're just joining us and my co-host, Jeff Page, is in the house. <laughs> tonight, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's his thing. You got no choice. You got no choice. So tonight we have a very special guest, Robin Power, also known as Robin Power Royal. Now, since a majority of Funkatopians here are huge Prince fans, um, and once again, I told you this is going to be, this portions here that are going to be very, very visual. So hopefully you're watching on facebook.com slash Funkatopia, or you are watching on youtube.com slash Funkatopia because we got a couple of video clips I'm going to be playing here in just a second. But if you're listening on Funked Up, I think you might be able to, to visualize what's happening here. But for most of you, the moment that you laid eyes on Robin Power was probably during this scene. <laughs> Some of you may, that's may, that's probably where, uh, that's probably where you remember her from is that's probably the first time most people laid eyes on her. But uh, most guys, I would probably say, I think I'm gonna need a drink. I'm gonna need a drink now. All of that to say that there are way more layers 
to Robin Powers, and her resume is insanely deep beyond Graffiti Bridge. And most of you only know her from Graffiti Bridge. And we're about to remedy that situation tonight. We're going to dig into all that and more tonight on Funkatopia Live. So without further ado, please welcome to the stage Robin Power Royal. There she is. How are you? I feel highly anointed and highly favored and very thankful that you guys decided to allow me to grace this stage. Thank you so much. Well, absolutely. And we're actually going to, I think I'm going to change the format just a little bit and make you larger and us smaller, not me, her. And then what we're going to do is uh, just so, because she actually has video playing behind her. That's got a lot of, uh, a lot of neat, uh, just a lot of video clips and stuff that are going to be going on behind her. But we're going to be talking about you tonight, dear. And uh, I hope you are ready to share some stories. And um, I hope you're, hope you're ready. You're all comfortable. You got water. You're all ready to go. And, and let me say before you start, we thank you. <laughs> yes, there you go. While you drink that, we thank you for being here. Because uh, this is going to be a fun night. That is, that is alkaline water. Yes. And, and for, and, and again, uh, once we start getting into some of this, uh, some of the more uh, risque material, uh, all I can say is. Um, I'm sorry, Jackson. Ooh, <laughs> That's wow. all I got to say. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was direct. So anyways, I hope you guys are having, that has nothing to do with you, Robin. <laughs> um but anyways, I wanted to make sure that um, you were okay with talking a little bit about your, you know, talking a little bit about your personal life, because I, I know that a lot of people want to hear a lot of the Prince stories that you have, but I kind of wanted to, to get to the core of who, you know, about your life and your background. And so I wanted to make sure that that was going to be okay to do tonight. Well, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, that'll be fine. I just wanted to make sure that uh, you guys can hear me clearly. And I'm a little nervous because this is a different type of a talk show, I guess. Uh, or is it a talk show or a vlog? This is a different platform than I've ever been on before. So each one is like a different experience for me. So I am a little bit shy. And as the night goes on or the conversation goes on, just give me a minute to, you know, ease into this. Okay. Absolutely. That's, that, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And again, we want to make, we want you to be comfortable as possible, you know, so if you need us to kind of, you know, spend some time kind of talking, we can do that too. Absolutely. But I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit into your background kind of, um, you know, a lot of people want to know how you eventually, you know, got to meet Prince and all that. But before we get to all that, you know, I do know that you're, Am I correct that you're originally from Chicago? Born and raised on the southeast side of Chicago. Went to South Shore High School. I okay. went to school in Chicago, Illinois. And I was also the Chicago Bulls cheerleader. Then Michael Jordan was on the team. So nice. A Chicago lovable. Yeah. I, I, I am a shy town street kid, basically. And you, at one point in time, now, why did you move from uh, your, why did you stop being a Chicago uh, Bulls cheerleader? 
Oh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, you had to rehearse. You had to practice three times a week. You got paid $40 a game. You had to wear these special stockings that, that were called legs. So you had to wear these special stockings that cost like seven bucks a pair. And you had to have two pair for every game. So while the players were out there becoming multi-millionaires, the cheerleaders were busting our asses and we were literally getting paid $40 a game. And then you did a lot of promotional gigs and those promotional gigs you didn't get paid for. So if you were like me living on my own, waiting tables, being a waitress at Bennigan's downtown in Chicago or working a regular job, three days a week rehearsing, the game, and then whatever promotional gigs, it was it was pretty difficult decision. Although I really liked the opportunity and it was a lot of fun and I would have liked to have been more involved, I really didn't have that much of a support system. So I've been on my own since I was 16 years old, literally my own apartment, been on my own. Um, at the time I did have a boyfriend that was helping me out, but I still was working hard, like working really, really hard. And I, uh, had to choose. I had to choose between life and, you know, shaking, shaking my ass on the court, being a Chicago Bulls cheerleader, running around, you know, doing charity work that I really, really love to do. That part was okay. That was wonderful. The charity work was great, but we didn't get paid 40 bucks. And then That's you spent $40 on stockings. Like you literally had to have a brand new pair. So you really only got paid $20 a game. Now you do the math. Come on now. Right. Yeah. Well, now what's interesting is that, you know, you have, you're known as Robin Power, but you're, it's, your name is Robin Power Royal. And that is primarily because I'm kind of going out of the timeline here, but you know, uh, you were married to the NBA baller, Donald Royal, who played, well, he was with Timberwolves, Spurs, mm -hmm. Warriors. And he was with like a bunch of different, and now we're, we're in the timeline, um, does that fit in? Was, was he involved with anything that you had to do as far as, did he know you as a cheerleader or was this like totally removed from a different timeline? Completely different timeline. Okay. So how, how long were you married? I was, I was married for nine years, but I was with Donald for a total of 15 years. And mm. we dated for five years before we got married. Um, okay. I met Donald at Paisley Park. Yeah, okay, that explains quite a bit. <laughs> That's the land of romance. It is. <laughs> to the nines. Donald was a Timberwolf. Uh, he was playing for the Timberwolf. Yeah, okay, that makes that makes even more sense <laughs> than that. So, you know, how long, when did that relationship end? Quite some time ago. Quite, quite some time ago. We were married for 15 years. I mean, we were together for 15 years. But mm. as far as dates are concerned, because, you know, all the whole oh, divorce proceedings, when I asked for a divorce, when we separated, when we actually got divorced, there's a lot of uh, intricacies to that. So we'll just say quite a while ago, 15, over 15 years ago. So mm. are, are did you keep the last name because because it just it because it just flowed well or or is there another reason why you kept the name well i kept the last name because i felt like donald was sent into my life to give me something that belonged to me 
you know us as as African and Indian and Nubian, our names are all erased anyway. So God is gonna figure out a way to get to you what belongs to you. And I truly believe that Royal is my is my true rightful name, whether it is by giving birth to a child that carries the name Royal, being married to someone that had the name Royal, or just knowing for a fact that royalty lives within you. The, the name belongs to me and I chose to keep it because God anointed the marriage. So I kept what God gave me. Gotcha. Nice. So I, I brought up Donald and that really took us off of the timeline because I, so I want to rewind for a second and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about soul train and we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Dre. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, so and all this stuff is coming for those of you who are listening, going get to the print stories. You just gonna have to wait because I got. Don't forget, don't forget coming to America. Don't forget oh, that. No, yo, oh, oh no, we won't. It, we won't. It's gonna be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back, back to that whole royalty thing. Yeah, let's not forget that. Right. Uh, of course. Um, I want to rewind a little bit because you know you started out being you know listening to his music pretty early on, when was the first time that you started listening to Prince? My mother gave me Prince's For You album when I was 13. My mother walked in the room, she handed me the album and her exact words were, you need to listen to this. <laughs> now, <laughs> I had no clue uh, who Prince was, why my mother gave, mother gave me the album, other than the fact that I was a very mature 13 year old. So as I listened to it, I could kind of understand why she gave, gave it to me. But she gave me the For You album and then she bought me the Prince album, like directly after it. The For You album had already been out and the mm. Prince album had just come out. So I received the gift of Prince and the music that Prince created at the tender age of 13 years old. It's quite an initiation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good start though, right? At the beginning. You know, and, and I had read something. Um, this is actually a quote from you in an interview in an interview you did a long time ago. And um you and I'm yeah, I'm, this is these are actually your words. So I mean it's it's kind of difficult to say, but you said your mom was a gangbanger, dominatrix, drug dealer, pimp, gun runner for both the L Ruckins and the uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and gangster disciples street gangs. Yes. Uh, that's that's quite <laughs> that's quite a description. Mm -hmm. Uh can, can you give me a little bit of story on that? What what is what is it like, you know, when when your mom is is that connected to the streets and and what does that do to your childhood? I mean, obviously. First of all, everything that I said was true. My mother ran guns. She sold drugs. She was a pimp. She was a dominatrix. I grew up with the dominatrix dungeon in my house, like literal, oh literal. Uh, let me let me explain the scenario. Okay. I was five. We lived in a penthouse apartment called the Crandon House downtown. Well, not downtown on 63rd and Crandon, right uh, off the lakefront in Chicago. We lived in one of the penthouse apartments. And my mother had a uh, all white living room with mirrors and everything was all white. 
And then there was this long corridor with black carpet. And as you went down the corridor, there was this room that had red leather on the walls. The red leather was a soundproof room. So yeah. that was the room that when we were little, my brothers and I, she would be like, go in, go in the red room and y'all go play in there. So we would go play in there. But my mother's bedroom was Afrocentric. My mother was Cherokee Indian. Her father was full blood Cherokee. And um, my mother was uh, Geechee Indian from the Geechee Island, which is also from the coast of Sierra Leone. Uh, yeah, Sierra Leone uh, in Africa. That's where Geechees come from. And in this room, she had black carpet, black walls, black animal prints, whatever, tiger, leopard, whatever on the bed. There were axes, hatchets, and machetes on her wall. All, the room was completely black the fuck out, black, everything. Wow. And next to her bed, my my mom next to her bed was a gun, marijuana, and cocaine. And it was on a mirror, like a mirror tray. And she had like a little weed box. And she kept that by her bed and told my brothers and I, uh, don't ever touch it. Mm. And she had very... Um, let's say wealthy clients, lawyers, uh, lawyers and people in the entertainment industry, but wealthy people, uh, gentlemen. And she had young ladies that lived in the household, or not young, but her women lived there because my mother was gay. So she was gay by straight. Whatever she felt like being in whatever season, that's the way her wind blew. That's what she chose to do. And um, her lady friends lived in the house with us. But as I got older, I started to realize, okay, actually, did they really live there? Or was this like some sort of uh, organization going on? And right. as I got older and reflected back on what was going on, I started to realize, okay. And my mother started telling me more later in life, I realized exactly what was going on. But they were beautiful women. There was a time when four, four girls <laughs> lived in this particular house. And... Uh, I was my mother's shadow. So my brothers were boys. They were young. They were out. They were running around. You know, my mother kind of kept me close when I was that young. And I just was peeping around every corner. And I saw a lot of things that probably a five-year-old shouldn't see. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. yeah. Yeah. But she uh, was also in the Elrickens and the Disciples. I have met people since my mother has crossed over. And as I got um, more into my Teen, later teens and early 20s, I met individuals that were a part of uh, those associations that said, hey, your mother was the shit. Like, she was the queen. She was able to go from here to there. Nobody fucked with her. She gave everybody, you know, if they needed girls, if they needed this, if they needed that. And you don't, you know, they, they were basically schooling me on how important my mother was towards these two particular gangs that were rivals. They were rivals. But she was able to slide between both of them and unfortunately supply some unsavory things. But that ain't got shit to do with me, but some unsavory things. And I was being schooled by other adults who knew her life, what my mother was a part of. So it wasn't just stories that she told me and things that I saw, but I also learned from other individuals and family members. So that's the household that I grew up in. Yeah. I grew up with a street queen. That's what I call her, street queen. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, th this kind of goes to, um, I mean, that's, that's intense. That's and I mean, I think all of us, you know, Jeff Page and I actually, you know, share, share some similar stories as well. And I think that was kind of, um, not similar to, to those stories, obviously, but we, we do, we did have a lot of, you know, traumatic things that, that happened in our, in our lives. And, and, you know, especially when, when you grow up as a kid in the sixties and seventies, it's just like, it's just a totally different free range type of, it was just like, just right. get out of the house and just come back later type of thing. And you ended up just living your life and learning the hard way. And it's just, uh, and, well, and let me tell you something I've never told anybody before. Well, I, I, I haven't told a lot of people, but I took acid when I was three years old. When you were how old? Three. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> it had to be by, was it by accident? accident? It had to be. It was, it was by accident. And I'm so happy we're doing this because I wanted to tell you guys things that probably close people know, but, you know, strangers don't really know about me. So my mom, my mom had, Asked some acid. She dealt with drugs, so she had acid. She dealt with drugs closely all the way up until she crossed over. So my mother, I grew up with a mother who did drugs, sold drugs, and at a point in her life was a drug addict. So all of those, check all of the above. Okay, so my brother was two, I was three. My older brother was like nine, nine-ish years old. And back in the day in Chicago, they used to have these candies called BBs and they were red, white, and blue. And you could mm -hmm. shoot them out of a straw. And I guess they took them off the market because it would put somebody's fucking eye out. Like <laughs> it's easy for kids to be able to shoot little hard pieces of candy out of a straw. So, right. but it looked like candy and it fell on the floor. The, she had like one of those tabs of acid and it fell on the floor. And I thought it was candy. I clearly remember, <laughs> I clearly remember it like it was yesterday. And I picked up the little candies and I was like, oh, like BBs. And I picked it up and I put it in my mouth and I was, I was good. It didn't taste good, but I was good. So a few, like a few minutes later, my mother came in the room and she was really hysterical. And it was in the 60s, you know, so I was, I was three. So yeah, yeah, I was still like 69. So I'm still in the 60s when people were doing that, that kind of stuff pretty freely. So, um, she started screaming and she was crying like who who took the pill off the table like who took the pill off the table and she kept saying off the table and all of us are looking at each other like off the table what do you mean off the table and all of us are saying we didn't take it i didn't take mm -hmm. nothing off the table why what i got was on the floor so my younger brother was two he started crying because my mother was crying when he started crying he said mommy me me and he didn't know what he was talking about my mother grabbed my younger brother and she made him, you know, vomit. Reggie, I love you. The truth is the truth. This is my truth. Uh, my little brother's name is Reggie. Made him vomit. And um, he was, she thought he was fine. She called this dial a nurse people and asked them what happens if your child takes a bunch of aspirin. She said it was aspirin. And they told her to give the baby milk, make him vomit, keep an eye on him. And if the child becomes lethargic, to bring them to the hospital. So she sat my brother in the high chair. I heard the phone conversation. I saw her put him in the high chair. My mother started cooking. Everybody was good. And then I walked into the kitchen. And when I walked into the kitchen, the kitchen looked like it was on fire. 
Like the whole fucking kitchen was on fire. And I started screaming, fire, fire. And my mother turned around and said, oh my God, that's where it went. And then she picked me up. She put me on her lap. And then she turned me over and then she just started patting my back. And she said, Robin, it's going to be okay. Robin, it's going to be okay. And then I'm looking at the back door and it's like a screen door. And the screen door goes from one door to like two doors to six doors to 12 doors. Like it starts to go like this and then it goes black. So we never discussed what happened to me that day until my mother was in the hospital in Orlando when I was married to Donald. And she was uh, in an emergency unit because she was very sick. My mother had HIV. She had AIDS. Uh, just so you know, nobody was able, no doctor was able to um, identify where she got it because she had been involved with intravenous drugs. She also was promiscuous at a time before AIDS existed and people didn't use condoms. And she had also had blood transfusion. So she had blood transfusions because she was a drug user. So in that big circle, it was never pinpointed how my mother became HIV positive. So hmm. in becoming HIV positive, um, she had a lot of times that she had to go to the hospital under crisis. So this particular time I was about 32 and my mother says, my birth certificate, I'm forever 17, just so you guys know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teenager. But that piece of paper was about 32 years old. So um, my mother said, would you like to know what happened to you the time that you took the acid? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I would like to know what happened. She said, let me tell you exactly what happened. She said, I told your stepfather, not my real father. I've never met my real father. God's the only father I know. Um, my stepfather told my stepfather, said, uh, Robin has like a flu or a cold or something. And I have to keep her uh, quarantined away from the rest of the family, which meant him and my two brothers. So she said, I took you in a room. <laughs> she said, and in this room, we stayed for three days. She said, you did not sleep for three days, Robin. She <laughs> said, this is exactly what you did. She yeah, said, it's tough to sleep on acid. <laughs> this, is so, this makes so much sense when I tell you some things after she said the only music you would allow me to play was marvin gay number one <laughs> number two, you would not put on any clothes the only thing you would wear was a diaper number two number three you would not eat anything the only thing you would eat is a lollipop <laughs> our lollipops she said and you did not sleep she said i watched you dance in a diaper to marvin gay eating lollipops for three days straight. Wait a minute. Then she says, every time I tried to take Marvin Gaye off to put on something different, you would go completely hysterical. <laughs> and she said, I prayed over you for three days and you came out of it. And I would only drink water. I wouldn't drink milk. I wouldn't eat food. Lollipops, water, diaper, Baby dancing and Marvin Gaye. And my mother said, that is what I did on an acid trip at three years old. That's insane. I, now, I, wait, 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 wait. Uh -oh, when, I was, when I was with Prince and we made, we made love, when we had our experiences together, whether it was with another girl, 
or whether it was alone. The only music Prince played, and I never told Prince that story, was Marvin Gaye. So the only music when Prince would have sex with you or you would have sex with Prince that you would hear in the background would be Marvin Gaye. It would be instrumental music from Madhouse or it would be like, uh, you know, megahertz music or 32 megahertz, like megahertz mm -hmm. music, tones, Marvin Gaye. Robin, do you, do you see, do you see behind, look, look over his right shoulder. Look over Jeff Page's right shoulder. <laughs> It's 43 right there. 432 right there. There you go. That's what Prince would play. So a lot of people ask me about being with Prince sexually, you know, the whole fantasy. To me, the fantasy was never complete because Prince never played Prince music while you were with Prince. That's okay. the only thing I felt was missing. Like every girl always imagined you know, being with Prince sexually, but that music that Prince had created being played in the background, and Prince never did that. Prince played Marvin Gaye. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Yeah. I, I gotta he tell you. For anybody else, but he never did it for me. I, other than Madhouse, like if it was instrumental or jazz, then he played, Prince played that music that was created, that he created. But if it wasn't, then it was Marvin Gaye and instrumental tones, healing mm. tones. That's amazing. Well, okay. I, I I can tell you as far as the uh, the answer stories is concerned. Yeah, I've you know uh, the '90s were a bit crazy for me, but I can tell you there's some things you just don't look at when you're on acid. Uh, spackle was <laughs> one. Uh, shag carpeting, uh, mirrors. <laughs> don't spackle. Spackle will ceiling. drip from the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, spackle on the ceiling will drip if you look at it. Shag carpeting looks like it's boiling. <laughs> it's like it's it's just not a good thing. Uh, anyways, I hope none of my kids are watching. I've only done acid twice in my life, and the other time I was 18 years old, and I was standing outside in Chicago in the middle of the winter on my birthday, and the snowflakes were coming down at me. And as they got to my face, they got bigger and bigger. So they were like this big. And I could see every intricacy in the snowflake. And they would hit my face and just go, poof, poof. That, that was my second <laughs> acid trip. Only other acid trip was my 18th birthday. Oh, all right. And I went to the corner store and told the guy it was my birthday. He gave me a whole bunch of um, candy bars. I took the candy bars home, walked in my mother's room, threw them on the bed, told her she could have them, and then went in the living room and laid down and tried to go to sleep. And all I could see was rockets and stars and the universe. And that that was my whole, that was it. That I, I, I didn't like it. I couldn't control it. I wanted to go home and lay down. And when I closed my eyes, all I saw was rockets and starship. Yeah, and that was, I never did that again. That, yeah. I was done. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you're not in control <laughs> at that point. You're just like, you're along for the ride. All right, so let's, 18 years old was enough for me. Yeah. All right. Wow. So let's talk about, um, and we're going to do our best, uh, Jeff, but obviously we're, we're watching to make sure that we don't talk over her because obviously with, with her switch to microphone now, we, whenever we talk, we, we drown her out. So we want to make sure that, yep. you know, whenever I see your mouth moving, we're going to stop. Uh, so, 
I want to talk a little bit about your resume. I want to kind of move forward a little bit because you, know, you had already mentioned that you were a cheerleader for the Chicago Bulls, which is amazing. I think that's really, really cool. Um, but I actually, you had this little clip of uh, you on Soul Train, and we're going to talk about some Soul Train, Soul yes. Train dancing. But I had a little clip here of it's just it's really super short clip it's only like 11 seconds but um this is for people that wanted to see you on dancing on soul train and there was like a lot of little clips of you on soul train but here's like a really small clip that i I stole off of one of your websites uh this is it right here that's one of my favorite that is one of my favorite clips i love that hat yeah that's yeah and that's just a little small it didn't have audio on it because i think you the the compilation that you had was a bunch of soul clean soul play soul train clips and then uh you also had uh there was another song that was kind of like the the music behind it um that was my music i'm gonna say i I probably remember that one (laughs) (laughs) Most most of the clips that you see i put my music behind it because they don't the copyright infringement, so I just go ahead and put my own mm-hmm. music behind it. Yeah, yeah, we, we we fight that with Facebook like every time we go on all, air, all the time. How did you get on Soul Train and become a regular dancer there? Because that is like one of those things that it's you know, especially for dancers, it's at it's back in the seventies and eighties, that was like the echelon for a dancer to be able to get onto a show and regularly showcase their skills, and. Uh, Tell me the story of how you that land that opportunity. Well, growing up in Chicago, one of the things that we did every Saturday morning was prepare to watch Soul Train. Like that was the big thing. All, all of us. So, yeah, all of us. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to be a Soul Train dancer, and ever since I could remember. So when I was 16 years old, I wrote this list, and my list was: so I want to be a Soul Train, da- or I'm going to be a Soul Train dancer. I want to post for Playboy and I want to date Prince. That was my list. And when I got to, um, when I was a Chicago Bulls cheerleader, there was a young lady that was on the same squad with me that was relocating from Chicago to LA. And she wanted a group of us to ride with her in a car so that she could get there safely and move to Los Angeles. So I went to Los Angeles with her, but when I got there, I didn't want to go back to Chicago. It was 40, it was 30 degrees, wind chill below zero. Uh, I had never been to the West Coast. I did not want to go back. So I moved to LA. I got a job <laughs> working as a cocktail waitress in a French made uniform at Marie Callender <laughs> at the restaurant. Nice. And, um, <laughs> and I started going out to the clubs dancing because I, I love to dance. So mm-hmm. I would go out to the clubs, I would go dancing. And then one day somebody, you know, the kids were starting to make, we were all starting to become friends with each other, the dancers. And then one of the dancers was like, hey, you should come down to Soul Train with me on Saturday. You know, they would really like you. And I'm like, are you serious? That's like one of the main things that I have to do like right now since I moved here. So we went to Soul Train, they let us come in, they let us dance on the floor. And while we were dancing on the floor, I asked my friend, I was like, I want to dance on the stage. And they say, you can't just get on the stage. You have to get permission to get on the stage. I said, well, who do I need to talk to? They said, you need to talk to uh, Eric or Don, but you can't talk to Don without talking to Eric. 
So I said, well, who's Eric? They pointed Eric out. And I went up to Eric and I said, Eric, my name is Robin. I'm from Chicago. I'm a dancer. I want to dance on stage. And he said, so you think you're good enough to dance on stage? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, well, go dance on the floor. I'll watch you and I'll let you know. So he walks up to Don Cornelius. I go out on the floor. They turn on the music. And when I kid you not, the song was not even halfway over. Eric came over and said, go up there on top of the rafter. And that's where I started. Nice. That's nice. awesome. How, how long did you do that for? Uh, two and a half years, like two and a half seasons. Wow. Wow. That's, wow. that's incredible. Now, all right. So, uh, again, because of the way that we, I had to upload these videos, when the video is playing, we can't hear anything that's going on. But um, some people actually may remember you from uh, this as well. A lot of people don't know that you were in uh, in Young MC's Bust a Move video. And uh, so I'm going to play. I actually took like a bunch of little clips of you and and just put it together just so that the song wouldn't be continuous. So the song's going to bounce around a little bit. But uh, again, so when this video is playing, we can't really talk. But uh, let's take a look at uh, Robin and Ashton. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females get jealous. Mm -hmm. You got to tell me how you were able to get into the Bust a Move video. <laughs> I got to know this story. The same thing. They came down there and they picked Soul Train dancers. Oh, so it came, they came uh, right to the Soul Train. So this, so that was actually by chance a good timeline zip there to, to get them to, to bust a move. The whole entire time I was on Soul Train, everything was going on. Because not only was I in Bust a Move, but I was in Coming to America. I was in the Damien Dame video from L.A. Reed called Right Down to It. Oh, well, hold I on a second. I want to show, show, show the picture for those who don't know what she looked like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, were you officially Miss Black Awareness in Coming to America? <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I was, yes. <laughs> I, won. I won that day. Yes, I did. Yes, I yes, did. You did. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, yes you did. Yes, you did. Story on how I got into coming to America. Okay. So when I moved from L from Chicago to LA, I was living with my roommate, the same girl who was the Chicago Bulls cheerleader, right? So she was an actress. And she was so serious about acting. Like she was doing her headshots. She was sending them to all the agencies. And I was really proud of her. Like she was really ambitious and she was very serious about becoming the next big thing, a big actress. And that's all she talked about. I stayed because it was warm. The warm weather is what really drew me to stay to, in California. Mm -hmm. I was in shorts and a t-shirt in the middle of January. I wasn't going back to Chicago. So she um, sent her resume and her picture into a talent agency and they called the house, but she was at work and I answered the phone. So when I answered the phone, the lady said, <laughs> the lady said, um, can I speak to, and then her name was Lee Ellen. May I speak to Lee, Lee Ellen and her last name? And then I said, well, she's not here. Can I take a message? She said, can you tell her that we have an audition for her for a movie 
called Coming to America with John Land. The, in, the interview is going to be with John Landis. This is the day. This is the time. And she needs to wear a swimsuit. And I said, okay, okay, okay. I wrote it down, wrote the number down. And then she said, excuse me. I said, yes. She said, uh, how do you look? I said, ma'am, I'm beautiful. I said, I'm light. I have long hair. I, I have a really nice body. I, I'm very pretty. I'm very pretty. And she said, would you like to audition? I said, yes, ma'am, I would. She said, you can come to the audition too. I was like, what? So I... I this, I said, thank you very much. I got my copy of the information. And when that young lady, when Lee got home, I said, you got to audition. And I told her the audition for the movie. And then I said, and by the way, the lady said I could come too. And she said, what the fuck? What? <laughs> what do you mean you come too? I said, the lady said I could come and I'm going. <sighs> and oh. I went. I went. I got chosen. She got chosen. She's on the stage with me. John Landis chose us, and then I moved out of her apartment. Oh right. yeah, because it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. It's competition at that point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, and uh, this is this is out of line in the timeline, Jeff Page. But uh, I also want to hear the story on uh, this little film right here called uh, House Party. House Party. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a video clip, but uh, you got to tell us about how you how you landed into house party. Also, we got to hear about this. Same same exact timeline. It was the same group of kids that we would go to the club together. We were all on Soul Train together. Alex Thomas, me. It was uh, Sarah Lynn, my sister, my my half sister Kimberly, our stepsister Kimberly. It was just a big group of us that would we would be at Soul Train and we would be in the clubs. And people just came up to us and said, would you like to audition for this? Like, would you guys like to be in it? Not audition. We need background dancers. You guys come on along. And we just went. It was always a group, especially for House Party, for Busta Move. It was, hey, we want you guys to come and be in it now for uh, Today is a Good Day. And for Appetite Destruction, that was different. But for those two, we were just asked as a group to come. And mm. we we, okay. we all got together and went. Well, let's take a look at the picture. Of, well, the actually, I actually have a thirty-two second clip here. And again, remember, we can't you can't hear you guys can't hear us talking uh, when, when I play these clips. You just have to deal with the audio with the clips. But okay. uh, this is uh, a couple of screen captures from the NWA. Uh, The appetite is tremendous, so I'm gonna spend this. Track with some violence because they asked me to end this. Some trouble out of court because I was nosy. Some brother tried to take advantage because of the kamikaze. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, all right. <laughs> this is one of those things where it's just like one after the other. But, you know, again, Here's the thing. Let me go ahead and say this too, because of the fact that uh, Facebook is so heavy-handed with this uh, with this audio, we may or may not get kicked off of off of Facebook. If we do, anybody that's on Facebook that's watching us, just go over to YouTube.com/slash/Funkatopia until Facebook kind of works through the stuff. But uh, obviously, we we got to play this little clip. Uh, we got to play this little clip here from 
Ice Cube as well. We got we have to play this little clip too. Hold on. trying to dig since the 12th grade. It's ironic. I had the boo, she had the chronic. The Lakers beat the super Felt on the big fat fanny. Pulled out the jammy and killed the poo nanny. And my Jimmy runs deep, so deep, so deep. Put her butt to sleep. Woke her up around one. She didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube the top gun. Drove her to the pad and I'm coasting. Took another. I mean, we're just talking about you have been in some like iconic videos. It's ridiculous. The Go craziest ahead. thing about all of this is every one of these videos is the flashback. And I distinctly remembering me going, who is that? <laughs> I, I need to. Oh, I wish I knew her. You know, I remember that. And every time I see it, I'm like, what? And so you're here and it's just killing me. All right. So this is what. And this, and this is one of the things that I wanted to say too, and I, I don't, I don't want to, I, I want to interrupt you now because I, I need you to talk. But it is really important for everybody here to understand. I know that a majority of you folks are hardcore Prince fans, and you want to hear the Prince stories, and you want to hear the Graffiti Bridge stories, and all that stuff. And let me tell you, it's coming. Just stop, okay? <laughs> it's coming. Just chill. But what I want to make sure that you understand is that this woman's background and resume is off the friggin' charts. And a lot of people miss this about Robin. And this is what we wanted to rectify tonight exactly. is to make sure that you understand she is not just a, a stand-in or somebody that had a, a, a little bit of a part in Graffiti Bridge. She is all over the place in the real deal. And you didn't even know it. You have been watching this woman for years yes. and you didn't even know it. We're rectifying this tonight. So anyway, all right, let's talk about this. I, because not only do I want to hear the story about how you landed NWA and the ice cube scenario, but I also uh, want you to tell the story about how you ended up being an interior designer for Dr. Dre. So, we got a few stories that we got to fill in here and then we can kind of move forward. So just go ahead. I'll let you, let you talk. Okay. So <laughs> let's get this started. Now, everything that I've gotten in the industry, I never had a manager. I never had an agent. Crazy. As far as jobs that I've gotten, I've gotten them by literally the grace of God. By a phone call, someone walking up to me, asking me to be a part of it. Uh, it. There was always some sort of supernatural circumstance on how I got chosen for everything that I've ever been chosen for. Although I've auditioned for a lot of things. I auditioned for the Players Club. I auditioned for Sugar Hill. I've auditioned mm -hmm. for a lot of other things. But the things that I got were literally given to me. Today was a good day. Mm -hmm and Appetite for Destruction were both asked to be this girl. My roommate, her name was Hope. She was dating Dr. Dre. So I had a roommate when I lived in LA. I had a condo. She was renting one of the uh, rooms. We were roommates. And she was dating Dre. Dre wanted her to be in Appetite for Destruction. She turned it down and said, I'll ask Robin. I said, yes. Then they asked her to be in Ice Cube's video, Today Was a Good Day. Why? Because she was very beautiful, but she also had a big ass. I did not. 
It said, "Suck on the big fat sandy." I have a little butt. I have a, I have a, a speed bump. And <laughs> they asked her to be in the video. She said no because she was more conservative with her body, and I was a lot more comfortable with mine. So she said, "Robin, would you like to do it?" And I said, "Yes." So that's how I got both of those music videos. By the way, I wasn't dating Dre. I wasn't dating Ice Cube. I never fucked neither one of like I never fucked them. Never did anything like that. But Dre and I became very, very, very good friends. So in becoming friends with Dre, that was because of Hope. So while Hope was living with me, the the condo that I had, I did some really nice interior design on. Like it was really dope. And she invited Dre to the apartment to see her. And when he got there, the first thing he said was, or she told me, he said, was, who designed this apartment? And she said, Robin. And he said, who's Robin? She said, my roommate. He said, is she here? And he, she said, yes. So she came in the room. She got me. And then I came out. And Dre was standing in my living room, literally standing in my living room. And he looks around. and He says, you did this? And I said, yeah. He said, you did all this. I said, yes, I did this. He said, I want you to design my house. And I said, what? He said, he took my hand. He put it in his hand. He reached in his pocket and he dropped the keys in my hand. And he said, I just closed on a 6,000 square foot home in Calabasas. He said, there's no toilet paper. He said, there's no uh, spoons, forks, knives. He said, there, there ain't shit in this house. He <laughs> said, I want you to be the interior designer. He said, call my uh, accountant on Monday and tell them how much you want to get paid. I said, excuse me? He said, tell them how much you want to get paid. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God. And then I said, what are your favorite colors? He said, Turqu turquoise, royal blue, and cream. And it was on. I did his house that entire summer. The same summer that he was on house arrest, I finished the house and then he ended up on house arrest in that house. Huh. I did the whole house and I was, the, I was like the hostess. I cooked for the MTV, um, MTV videos, hmm. wraps. I cooked the food inside the house and his uncle did the barbecue outside and I cooked for all the parties for the dog pound, for Snoop. Like I cooked for them. We hung out at the house. I designed the whole house. Um, I had some friends come over, girls come over to the house all the time, dancers, parties. Like I was the entertainment hostess while he was on house arrest. Dream <laughs> always be in my heart, one of my very best friends on this planet. Like for real, for real. Well, all right. So I, I gotta know, this question was stuck in my head the second you said it. When you called them, how much did you tell them you were gonna charge? Right. I made $40,000 that summer. What? <laughs> wow. That's nice. Yeah, I got paid very well. And but yeah. he let me do, he let me literally do whatever the fuck I wanted. And when I say I went all out, the only thing that I know Dre changed and he told me was um I got him a like a king size bed, but he wanted the California king. So he ended up trading the mattress out for a bigger mattress. That right. was it. And now his mother lives in that house. Wow. That's amazing. And I had a fish tank built into the wall. All his furniture was custom made, oversized, like like uh, 12 foot high backs to look like a king. I had um, all the silk trees were custom handmade. 
the curtains were all custom done. Everything was custom done. He had a custom marble pool table with a gold top instead of a green top, African painted gold and black statues. Like it was really, really beautiful. A custom made leather sofas, everything, everything was done, was dope. I did a good job. I'll pat my stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I also did his condo. So not only did I do his house, but he hired me to do his condo. And that was an additional $10,000. So I did his condo downtown. I have pictures of everything. Wow. Well, look, Robin, I'll tell you this right now. I, I've got uh, I've got a place that needs some designing and I've got 40,000 pennies. So maybe we can work something out. <laughs> All right. I can sketch you something out. Yeah. <laughs> Artist renderings. Good job. Yeah. And uh, I know that, well, you, I, you see the next thing I have in here, uh, Jeff Page, yeah. on, that, on, on the timeline. I'm going to actually show show the video, uh, not show a video. I'm going to show a picture. We're going to talk about it later because it doesn't fall into this timeline. And that was your appearance in uh, a little film by Playboy called Playboy Women of Color. And you actually had your own uh, little section in this video as well. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about this because this is going to tie into the print stuff. Because just to kind of as a little bit of a teaser, it was Prince's idea that you do this from what I understand. So I want to get the story on this. But we don't have to talk about this right now. But we will talk about this uh, shortly. So I want to make sure that uh, that is in the mix because we are about to get into the Prince section that you knew was coming. Uh, and I, so that's going to cause in order to get into the Prince section, I know um, let's, let's, let's preface this with a couple of things. First off, the first time that you had seen Prince in concert, when you first got an opportunity to meet him. And then of course, wrap, you know, wrapping it into um, the young MC bust a move tie in that, you know, I'm probably getting to as far as how he, wanted to find you so let's let's go ahead and tell that story about starting with the first time that you saw prince in concert okay so uh let me backtrack a little bit so i was given the album when i was 13 right for you. album when i was roughly 14 like going on 14 i moved out and got my own apartment when i was 16 I had a full-time job and I was a senior in high school. I worked as a manager at a submarine sandwich shop and I got off at midnight. I lived in my own basement apartment, a one room basement apartment with a kitchenette and a standing shower right. alone. And I had Prince posters plastered on every, every crack and crevice of my apartment. Like the, the records, newspaper clips, posters, pictures, anything that I could fit a space, I put all Prince memorabilia. Uh, when I had lovers, boyfriends and girlfriends, uh, I played Prince music. So there was always Prince music playing. Prince was a part of my sexual experiences and, and learning my sexuality and girls and liking guys. So Prince was intertwined in my sexuality from the very, very beginning. My first Prince concert was the Dirty Mind Tour. I was with my sister, my half-sister Kimberly, and we went to the Dirty Mind Tour. Now, mind you, 
I didn't get a chance to discuss this, but when I was in high school, I used to lip sync Apollonia and Vanity Six. So in all of the talent competitions, my sister was Susan, my friend was Brenda, and I was either Vanity or Apollonia, and we would lip sync. And we won a lot of competitions. And we also were on the nightclub scene in clubs that you had to be 21 and over to get into, but we were actually underage, but they still let us in. So we were on the club scene, and then we were on the high school uh, circuit as far as all the talent shows. So my high school, one of my high school boyfriends was a Prince impersonator. Then I had my own apartment that was engulfed in Prince. And then my music was engulfed in Prince. And everything around me was engulfed in Prince. So when we went to the, the Dirty Mind tour, the only tickets we could get were the balcony. And Prince came out in the little underwear and the trench coat. And I turned around and I looked at Kimberly and I said, never again. We will never sit in the balcony ever again. And she agreed. We were like, okay, cool, good. So life went on. I continued to collect music and listen. And uh, now I'm 17. I'm still in my apartment, 17 years old. Everything's going great. Uh, I have a new apartment now, a, a nicer apartment. And um, I go to the Purple Rain Tour. Mm. But this time when I go to the Purple Rain Tour is different. When we found out about the Purple Rain Tour, we slept outside for Prince concert tickets. And there was yeah. a whole line in Chicago down the street for Prince concert yep. tickets. And we yep. were kind of like in the middle of the line, Kimberly and I. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? We have to get to the front of this line because if we don't, the tickets we want are going to be sold out. And she was like, well, what are we going to do? Like, we're kind of in the middle of the line. We were not We were closer to the front than we were to the end. And I said, just watch. And she was like, okay. So I started talking to people. Literally, my gift to gab. I went from person to person. Like, I have to have these tickets. Like, please let us go in front of you. Like, and everybody kept saying, okay, okay, okay. Until we were at the front of the line. We were like the first, it was like somebody in front of us. And then we were the first two to go up right after that person. And when we got up there, the lady said, what segment do you want to sit in? And as she was saying that, somebody else in the booth said, oh, we just sold 300 tickets. Like they, somebody just bought 300 tickets. Like, so the computer's about to switch. So I looked at her and I was like, fuck. 300 tickets, the front row is going to be gone. And then I kid you not, the thing readjusted and the lady said, where do you guys want to sit? And I said, right there. And she said, the two front row in front of the microphone. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, they're yours. I <laughs> said, she said, they're yours. I said, I want all four nights yours. Mm -mm -mm. Yep. Yes. Wow. That's that's a bit. Yeah, I, I was at three of the five shows in Atlanta, so I I know how you are. I was just like yes, yes, and yes, <laughs> but I did not have front row to any of them. <laughs> just so yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were front row seats right in front of the microphone. When I say it's the microphone and it's the two seats like right there, we were right in front of the microphone. And every night that Prince came out, Prince gave me a gift. Prince walked up to me personally and handed me a carnation, a guitar pick, 
a tambourine, and a pair of panties, lace panties. Okay. You still have those things, I imagine. And then at the end of the concert, the fourth day, Miko Weaver, when everything was over, like the everybody was leaving the arena, the concerts were over. He never asked me on stage or anything like that. My sister said, my sister Kimberly said, um, what are we going to do now? I said, don't move. <laughs> Just stay right here. Don't move. <laughs> so everybody's leaving the arena and we're standing there. And Miko Weaver walks over and says, uh, hey, I'm Miko. Prince sent me down here to invite you to the after party. And I said, well, where's the after party? He said, the Park West. And I, I was like, okay, 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 we'll be there. And then Miko walked away and I looked at Kimberly and I said, oh my God, what are we gonna do? I don't have an ID, I'm only 17. So uh, I said, we're gonna go anyway. So we left, we went to the Park West and when we went to the Park West, we were standing outside. I knew we couldn't get in, I didn't have ID and all of a sudden, Chick, y'all remember Chick, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chick comes to the door. He sees my sister and I, and he tells security, let them in. And I'm like, God, thank you. Can this get any better? <laughs> so Chick leads us to the VIP area, and there's a rope, a velvet rope, purple. And there's one side, there's a group of people. And on our side, there's a group of people. And uh, we're in line. And then there's the big VIP area with these huge columns. So Prince comes down the line. And I had a gift. Like I had this gift for Prince. But the gift was not from me. There's a young lady, another friend of mine, who had a crush on Prince and said, if you meet him, would you please give him this for me? And she put a letter in it. And I told her, yeah, sure. I have no problem with that. So right. when he came down the line and he took my hand and he said, my name, my name is Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hi, I'm Robin. I said, I have a gift for you. For me. Yeah, for you. I said, but it's not from me. It's from a friend. She asked me to give this to you. And he said, okay. And then he took it. He took it into his hand and then he handed it to security. And then uh, he said, thank you. And then I said, this is my sister, Kimberly. And then they were introduced and he kept staring at me. You know, the googly eye contact that he does, mm -hmm. that, Prince, that Prince does. I always like to say that it's very difficult to call Prince a he because Prince was extremely androgynous to the way that <clears throat> by me being bisexual, and my true love for women, Prince was very much a boy and a girl. Very, very much. And I'll explain why in a minute. But um, they, <laughs> Prince, walks into VIP. And then he starts playing peekaboo, standing behind the column. Now, mind you, there's a lot of people in line, both sides. So I'm really not sure if he's like 100% playing peekaboo with me. But it felt like he was playing with me. So he was playing peekaboo. And I was like, this dude is like really tripping. Like he really tripping. He just kept going like this behind the column. Like, so <laughs> yeah, so I waited 
And I waited and I waited to be invited into VIP. Like I just knew I was going into VIP that night. And uh, uh, Sheila E came and Vanity came and Morris was there and Jerome were there and they were like in VIP for a second, different people came and then they started to leave and then Prince left. But when Prince left, Miko came over again and was like, look, we're going to the Hilton. Like, y'all could come down there. So my sister and I were like, yeah. So we left there, and then we ended up going downtown to this really nice hotel. And then everybody was just, like, roaming around in the lobby. We started talking to Morris. We started talking to Jerome. I met Vanity. Oh, my God. I met Vanity. <laughs> that That's was stunning. That was the only time I met her. And when I say that was a fantasy a dream come true. I swear to God on everything. Had I been 21, I'd have shot my shot. Like I knew <laughs> I was too young. I was too shy. I I, I would have went for it. I would have tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was so beautiful and she was so nice, but we all literally were in groups, like having conversations. And my sister and I just kind of were, were there in the groups. And it was like we were a part of it before we were even a part of it, you know? Hmm. And nice. then I sit there and I look for Prince and Prince never, you know, evolved that night. He never came around. And I went home with all these dreams and fantasies to my little apartment. And I continued my life as a, a Vanity Apollonia lip syncing impersonator living in a basement apartment with Prince posters everywhere. Like, yeah. So... So from, so how did he come? So obviously we get to a part here where, where he is, he's caught up with you again. Right. And this time he's actually coming to get you because of something that he saw. And then. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say caught up? <laughs> yeah. Caught, caught up. <laughs> caught up. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Fuck that. I need a definition of caught up. What is caught <laughs> Means that he saw you somewhere and he You caught his eye. How about you know, that? Here's one of the things. What was that movie? Jeff Page, you can help me out with this. What was that movie yes. with uh Will Smith? Serendipity. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was a Will Smith movie and uh where he was like a con man. Yeah. And and he was um and he Hitch. was setting no, he was setting things up so that this so that he yeah. could make this so he, he no he could make this um he could make this bet with this guy at the end over a football game but he had been setting this guy up by planting the number seven like all over the place throughout oh. this period of this guy's life or whatever or the days of this guy's anyways the point of this being is that you had dropped in on Prince's life and got into his view like multiple times throughout the years and then when he saw you in wait, 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 wait. No, no, whatever no, no. he saw you no, no 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 don't 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 give that away yet don't no, give I'm that give it away yet. i'm just i'm just I, that's I what i mean by caught that's what i mean by caught up though okay is that, I, understand. I understand so prince caught up with me so or right. we caught up with each other sure. we caught up i got you yes. but this yes. is how we caught this is how we caught up okay so i had already done bust a move i was already on soul train and I had already done coming to America. 
All of that was under my belt already. Uh, and also the Damien Dame video. I had already done all those things. So I was on Soul Train. But the way that we met was a mutual friend. I had a, a friend named Diana. Her name's Diana Mendoza. And she was absolute, she is absolutely stunning. Like Moroccan, gorgeous, beautiful girl. We were very, 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 very close friends. I'll leave it at that. So our relationship, we were extremely close and we were living together at a certain point. And she was like, I'm friends with Prince because that's all I ever talked about. Like I, one day I'm gonna see him, I'm gonna see Prince again when I do, it's on. Like I told everybody, when I see Prince again, it's on. So if you know anything about it, let me know if he's in town, concerts, let me know. So she said, well, he happens to be a friend of mine. And I was like, okay. And she said, we went out a few times. And I was like, come on now. This, we were living in the same house. So you mean to tell me you got his phone number? <laughs> she said yes and he just so happens to be looking for a female rapper and I said get the fuck out of here because at that time I was in the studio as a rapper even though I'm a singer I've been singing my whole life my first solo six years old at church was the Lord's Prayer I was in high school choirs I was in community choirs I was in the church choir and I have always been a singer my whole life, but I could rap and I had a really fast pace and I was good at it. And rap was real hot. So I knew at, the, at that time, R&B would have been a little bit more um, competition for me. So I right. decided to come in as a rapper and then sing later. That was my that was like my little end. So I was in the studio. I was living with this 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 guy named Tommy Boy, who was a rapper. He was my boyfriend. We had a manager named Michael who was paying all of our bills in our condo and had us in the studio paying for our studio time and everything. Uh, Diana was in my life at the time. She was going like had went out with Prince a few times and she comes to me and says, Prince is looking for a female rapper. So as God works with me, what did I have at the time that Prince was looking for a female rapper? A motherfucking demo, a demo of me rapping. So she was like, I'm going to introduce you to Prince. Now, mind you, I had already told people I met him before. So when she was like, introduce, I'm thinking in my head, what you mean, reintroduce? Like, we've been there, done that. So one night, um, I was at this club called Paradise 24. And I was 20. I still wasn't even 21 yet. And um, I was dancing with some dude. And Diana comes down the stairs. And I remember her coming down the stairs to me. And she says, uh, he's here. And I was like, ooh. And she said, Prince is here. I was like, get the fuck out of here. She was like, no, Prince is here and Prince, will, he would like to meet you. I was like, okay, all right, cool. So the guy I was dancing with, I was like, look, dude, I got to go. Now, mind you, the place where Prince was sitting was in VIP in this area where you could see the dance floor. So she obviously had pointed me out from where they were, like that's her right there. So I come upstairs and Prince says, um, no, I lean over to the table and uh, I said, hello, my name is Robin. And then he said, my name is Prince. One, or he said, my name is Prince. I said, my name, no, I said, hello, my name is Robin. He said, my name is Prince. And then he said, I've heard a lot about you. 
And then I said, well, I know a lot about you. So I'm still looking at him trying to do that whole, do you remember me? Like, did, do you remember meeting me? But we still had, hadn't got to that part yet. Right. And then he whispers in my ear. He says, um, tell Diana that you're leaving with me. And I was like, what? He was like, tell her that you're leaving with me. I was like, oh, okay. But I'm thinking to myself, that's kind of fucked up. I'm not going to do that to my girl, right? So I said, Diana, he told me to tell you that I'm leaving with him to see the expression on your face. So I need you to look surprised. So she gave that old fake. Ah. And then Prince said, come on, let's go. And then we all followed out. And we ended up going up to his house in the Hollywood Hills. And uh, that was the first time that we uh, got together. There's more to that story. But we left the club that night and he uh, said he wanted to ride in my friend's car, but she had a bug. It was really little. And yes. Diana was kind of, she was a little messy. So it was a few things like down on the floor or whatever. And I told Prince, I was like, you don't want to ride in this car. And he was like, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't want to ride in this car. And he was like, yes, I do. And I was like, okay, cool. So he got in the car and it was really little. It's a bug. You know, bug barely has a back seat. So I sat in the front seat. He sat in the back seat and he looked around at this little bitty fucking like claustrophobic space and looked around and said, you're right. I don't want to sit in this. I don't want to ride in this car. And then Dwayne, his brother, Dwayne drove the car and we got into the, the town car, the limo, and we rode that to his house in the Hollywood Hills. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. Uh, it looks like Facebook did hit us on that because I yeah. think I think we had a Facebook. So if you're listening on Facebook, but you're not able to chat or whatever, you guys can just hop over to YouTube, youtube.com slash Funkatopia, and you guys can go ahead and get into the chat uh, chat area there and uh, join into the whole whole mix. Exactly. Um, uh, also, Robin, your your brother Reggie's in in the audience here. Yeah. <laughs> I, to I, love you, I love you look we're 11 months apart my brother is my brother is my closest like that's my little homie we had left well big he's big now he's tall but we're 11 months apart so we used to fight and and love on each other like twins so we actually are the same age for one for exactly one month every year we're the, we're, we're the same age so that's cool that's awesome so i mean I, I guess. All right. So let's, let's kind of, from what, from what I've read, and I think I, I've read this on a, on a, I've, to do some of this research, I kind of dug into some crazy places, like yeah. into some chat transcriptions and a bunch of different things. And just, I, I, I did a lot of research, obviously. Um, Prince. Wait, 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 wait. Did you get, did you get information from Prince.org? Uh, some of that. Yeah. Some of that. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Cause I know where, what I said and where I said it. So go ahead. Yeah. So I want to talk about how Prince moves you to Minneapolis and what that transition from hanging out in Hollywood Hills, uh, which I'm sure more people want to hear a little bit more uh, of that story, but we're filling the gap between there and him moving you out to Minneapolis. So what happened was when, when, we went to the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> I told Prince, I said, I have a demo. We were playing pool, just regular pool, not the strip pool that we that we ended up playing later, like in our relationship. 
Yeah, we ended up playing strip pool a lot later with girls, but we ain't gonna go into that. So, uh, wait, 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 we got strip pool now. Hold on a second. Don't say you can't go into that. <laughs> that was, I've ever heard of that, that one. one of, that was one of our favorite things to play with girls was strip pool. <laughs> oh, my word. We, look, look, look. we would play strip pool so we could get girls naked to see what they look like with no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys would practice. So you and Prince would practice your pool skills, and then uh, yeah, yeah, you knew you were win. Okay, yeah. So it was like we were like best friends. We were like homies. So it'd be like, yo, what you think she looked like naked? I don't know. Let's go play some strip pool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, oh. right back back to the story. Oh my goodness! All right, so we go up to the house in the Hollywood Hills. And I tell Prince, I, well, she says, well, she's a rapper. So Prince is like, so you a rapper, rap for me. I was like, better than, yeah, I got a demo. I had a little tape that I carry everywhere with me. So I had my little tape and I gave it to Prince. He was actually very impressed with the fact that I had a tape and he did not know that I was going to meet him that night. So that was a, that was a one up for me for sure. So Prince goes in the room. He listens to the tape comes back out, stands in the doorway, has the tape and says, did you write this? And I said, yes. I said, the second song, my, my one of my best friends, we wrote it. I said, but I wrote the other songs. He said, well, I like the songs. I like your rapping. I hate the music. Of course, he's going to say he hate, you know, he's going to say he hate the music. So right, Prince said right. he hate the music. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, what? <laughs> like, to me, my thoughts were, did Prince just say out of his mouth that he liked my music, the way I rap and the way I write. Have you, are you, are you kidding me? So after that, um, we were in the kitchen, like there was food there. So some chef had prepared some plates and there was food and we were in the kitchen and we were eating. And right now it's probably about six o'clock in the morning, real early in the morning. And <laughs> My boyfriend, Tommy, who was up in the condo, um, out of respect, I said, okay, let me give Tommy a call. Just out of respect, I got to do this. So I told, plus I didn't want to come home to all my stuff in the street. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I said, Prince, can I make a phone call? Prince said, yeah, go ahead and make a phone call. So I called Tommy and Prince is standing right there. So I said, look, hi, Tommy. He says, hi. I said, I'm at Prince's house. Tommy said, what? I said, I'm at Prince's house. I said, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I'm here with Diana. As soon as I'm done, I'll be home. Prince said, can I talk to him? Oh, no. I said, he's a rapper. Like, I said he was a rapper before I called him. Like, this is my boyfriend. He's a rapper. So I called him. So Prince said, can I talk to him? I said, you want to talk to Tommy? And his name's Tommy Boy. Prince said, yeah, let me talk to him. So I was like, Tommy Prince would like to speak to you. So I hand Prince the phone and Prince is like, hold it on, hold it on. And then all of a sudden Prince just hung up the fucking phone. He just hung up, like he hung up on him. And I said, why did you just do that? And he said, hey, you can't use my phone again. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, I said, why did you hang up on him? He said he was breathing in my ear. Uh, wait, wait, wait. How he said, he was breathing in my ear. I was like, you asked to see him. I don't care. He was breathing in my ear and you can't use my phone. <laughs> and I just stood there like, okay, 
And I said, well, fuck it. I can't use the phone. He hung up. Let's just go on and finish with the night. So we finished playing pool. We talked. He liked the music. And then we we went home. Like the, the driver took us home. And then I get a call the next day. And then I get a call. And Prince calls me and says, um, I'd like to take you to dinner. And I said, really? He said, yes. And then he said, would you like to bring anybody? He, Prince asked me, would I like to bring somebody? And I said, yes, Diana. And he said, okay, then bring Diana. So the next day, the, the driver, well, first of all, Prince never called first. Somebody always called for Prince. So somebody called and said, Prince will be calling you. Let me get that straight. Before somebody out there tries to fucking correct me. Prince yeah. never called. Prince did not call. Somebody called before. I think it was Dwayne, if I'm not mistaken. I get the call. Then Prince calls. And then driver picks us up, takes us to the editing studio. Not food. The editing studio. We go into the editing studio. And it's like this little couch. The, the editing guy and Prince. And the room is like probably not even a 12 by 12. It's small. It's a small room. And I'm sitting on the couch squeezing Diana's hand. And he's editing the scandalous video. Oh, my word. I'm like, what? What is happening? Prince is editing the scandalous video in red, dancing. And I'm squeezing this girl's hand in disbelief, asking God, like, is this a dream? When am I going to wake up? Who's going to pinch me? What the frick is going on? This is absolutely incredible. And we leave there and then we went to dinner. Like if I'm, we went to an Italian restaurant. We went to dinner and um, we had a great time at dinner. We went back up to the house in the Hollywood Hills. We hung out up there and then we left. Prince didn't make any moves on me or try to kiss me or anything like that at that time. And um, I went back home. And then later on, I get a phone call from Prince, like a few days later, a few weeks later. I think it was like, no, it was a few days later. Prince went back to Minneapolis. And when Prince went back to Minneapolis, Prince tells me that um, he wants me to come to Minneapolis. And I'm like, what? Prince said, I want you to come to Minneapolis. I worked on your, like your music. I I want you to come down because I have, like, I want you to listen to what I did with your music. And um, I ended up going to Minneapolis and the music that I gave Prince as a demo, Prince had redid the music and I, I went down there and did the vocals. And the first song was Undercover Lover. Wow. wow. That's, how, that's how I got into Paisley Park. I did Undercover Lover, which was on my demo, which was a song that I wrote before I met Prince. So that's how I got to Paisley Park. And then there's more after that. But that's how I got, I ended up going to Paisley Park to do Undercover Lover. Diana went down there with me. He had Prince asked me who did I want to bring, and I took Diana again. Yeah. So you know he, so you end up going to to Minneapolis, and he's got you stored up, uh, if I remember correctly, in a hotel. You're you're pretty much living in a hotel. What was it like near Paisley Park or? Yeah, it? it was it was the Sophie Tell Hotel, which was right down the street in Chanhassen. From what I found out, it was the hotel where Prince housed all his girls. 
<laughs> so if you saw somebody down at the lobby during the uh, during the breakfast, it was <laughs> that that looks like it was his type. Although although I didn't have that issue with it running into bumping into any um, of Prince's muses at the Sofitel. The Sofitel was really nice. I actually lived there for about six months. Did you um, did you ever live at Paisley Park or stay at Paisley Park for any extended period of time? Uh, Prince, there was no living quarter at Paisley Park when I was there. There was an office, but Prince had not made a bedroom or anything there. No, I spent all my time at Prince's house. Gotcha. All right. To me, to me which was way better than Paisley Park. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little more private, too, I'd imagine. Uh, and at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of the show, we played we played the the clip from we played a couple of clips from Graffiti Bridge. There's there's obviously way more clips of you in Graffiti Bridge. Um, so talk to us because there's a bunch of different questions that I'm, I'm getting. So I'm, I don't know what's best to approach it in a timeline. I've seen some questions regarding the Thieves in the Temple uh, video. Uh, I guess people were asking specific questions about like, what's the coin that you're holding in Thieves of the Temple? Some some weird uh, questions. I guess people need some filler. Uh, but also Sexy MF and uh, Graffiti Bridge. So I've got questions that I see from all three of those subjects. Which one should we cover first? Uh, we can start with Graffiti Bridge. All right. Graffiti Bridge is cool. All right. So in Graffiti Bridge, and, I, and you play Morris Day's girlfriend. And, yeah. uh, but there's a, there's a couple of nuances here because until I read, until I read it in the, what I didn't know is that not only were you Morris Day's girlfriend, but I guess there was a, must've been a line of dialogue that I missed, but you were also in the story, the daughter of Billy, the guy who owned the purple rain club. Right. Exactly. So I, what I, story admit, I, I missed that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was Billy's daughter, and Billy had crossed over to the other side and left a bunch of clubs to Prince, Morris, me, Mavis, and um, George Clinton. So these clubs were all left by Billy, from what I understand, all the clubs. And it was Seven Corners, I guess Billy had got so big that Billy owned Seven Corners. And when Billy mm -hmm. died, everybody got their club. So that's what that was about as far as Billy was my dad. Yeah. And Morris and I owned the pandemonium together. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was some kind of weird, there was, yeah. I, I, I rewatched the movie over the weekend knowing that, that we were going to be meeting and uh, okay. It's, it's just, it's just one of those movies. Uh, I just haven't seen it in so long. Uh, but all right. So I, what I also know about this movie is that your part wasn't even written into the movie until no. after the fact. So so let's talk about how you got into this movie out of the gate and how you were able to to get into the movie. Was Did you have to push for that a little bit or was that was Prince just offered it up to no, you or no. how did that work? Um, it's funny because I just recently saw an interview with Jill Jones and Jill Jones said that in Graffiti Bridge, because Kim Basinger had fell out of the movie, that Prince got bored or... Well, he got bored with editing the movie was one of the things that Joe said. But what was funny to me was Joe said when Kim dropped out, that Prince just started asking everyone to be in the movie or anybody that wanted to be in it. So 
I felt that that was really funny because when I met Prince, Prince asked me, would you like to be in my movie? And I said, yes, I would like to be in the movie. We were in the limo and Diana and I both were in the limo and Prince asked both of us, would you guys like to be in the movie? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in your movie. I'll do anything. I'll be a waitress. I don't care. Yes, I want to be in the movie. And for whatever reason, Prince and Diana stopped speaking, but our relationship continued. And when we were dating, one of the times when I was in Los Angeles, before I moved to uh, Minneapolis, Prince flew me in and I was at Prince's house laying in the bed. So I was laying in the bed and Prince said, will you read my script? And I was like, Graffiti Bridge. And he said, yeah. And I was like, sure, I'll read it. So before I got a chance to read it, Prince said, turn to page 39. And I was like, okay. And I turned to the page and my name was at the top of the page. And it said Robin and Robin and Morris and Robin. And I was like, what the fuck? What? 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 And then he said, "This I wrote you into the movie. And I, I couldn't believe it. I that's, had my own part. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, because your your part just kind of just interwoven there, and I you you had to play the part of the the jealous girlfriend because you know they're both vying for uh, the affections of Ingrid Chavez, and and uh, tell me about there's a, there's a few things going on here, obviously with the movie itself, because I'm really interested in the dynamic of. You know, Prince and Ingrid had a little bit of a thing. I, I don't I don't think Prince and Ingrid's relationship ever got I, I don't know what it got to. Um, but I've I've interviewed Ingrid. Ingrid's been on the show a few times and I I just never got that vibe that anything ever came of that. But what what is your takeaway from that relationship with Prince and Ingrid and that relationship from your perspective? Hmm. Well, Ingrid and I had quite a few conversations and Prince had dated Ingrid. Prince had dated Ingrid sometime before Graffiti Bridge was even written. uh, From what I was told. Hmm. And they dated, but they had somewhat of a tumultuous relationship. Um, I guess they argued like quite a bit or whatever. I didn't get a chance to go into depth about what they would have arguments about. But while I was with Prince during Graffiti Bridge, him and Ingrid, were they still had a close relationship, but I still never knew during that time what they were doing privately. Because Prince would spend private time with me. Prince would spend private time with Ingrid. Prince would spend private time with Sheila. Prince would spend, spend private time with Jill Jones. Like, it was a lot going on. And then when I met Prince, he was dating Anna Fantastic and telling me that he was having her uh, pink cashmere coat being made. So Prince was spending a lot of private time with different women, so I never really knew what the intricacy of their individual relationships were. Well, and how did you feel about all this? I mean, you obviously did actually have... um you know, physical relationships with, with Prince and, you know, you're, you're kind of watching them just kind of just bounce around. And I, I mean, did it bother you? Did it not bother you? Did you try to not let it bother you? I mean, you are laying in his bed reading a script. So <laughs> I'd imagine. 
Well, the thing was, was that I love women. So I'm not shy about that at all. I'm right. bisexual. I love women. I loved women before I met Prince. I still love women and I'm going to love women to the day I leave the planet. So Prince having women did not bother me. My thing was the more the merrier. Like, I love women. Women are like beautiful flowers. And when I saw Prince, the thing is, I, I fell in love with the man in the music. I fell in love with Prince. But when I saw Vanity <laughs> right. on the cover of Rolling Stone with Prince, all I could think to myself was, he coming with women that look like that? Like, this is a package deal? This is This is what I'm thinking. So when I got into Prince's world, my thing was, can we all just get along? Like, right. Sheila, you come on hang out and Jill, let's get to know each other. But to be honest, all the women kind of stayed away from me. Prince kept us separate. Like, everybody was kept separate. But I still had women in my life that were there before I met Prince. So I just started introducing them to my friends. And we just started having fun and flying friends in town and meeting friends in L.A. And I introduced him to quite a few young, beautiful ladies. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. So we can kind of let our imagination. Yeah, yeah, go. Some extremely, extremely sexy li liaisons. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and thinking about, um, thinking about Prince's song "Insatiable." Uh, so all you do is push the little red button, and I belong to you in your little video box. Video That's because uh, Prince used to film me stripping. So that was one of, that was one of our things we did together. I would go in the closet, pick out an outfit of Prince's outfit, and I would strip. I would dance, and Prince would videotape me dancing, and then we would watch it together. And then he said he deleted it. I don't know if they're still sitting in the vault, but Prince said he deleted them. I'll talk to Dwayne. I'll find out. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if there are videos of me stripping in there, I sure would love a copy. That's all I got to say. Of course. But yeah, so that was one of the things that we did together. And um, I know why Prince wrote Insatiable, because our relationship was like that. Uh, the, the, the experiences that we experienced with alone and with other women were literally otherworldly. It's definitely something that the world needs to see. So I'm just going to put this plug in here. You know, uh, I am looking to do a series on maybe like Netflix or HBO or something. I want to do a series that talks about my life, literally with my mother from childhood all the way through to my relationship with my ex-husband to Prince, everything until where I am now. Because I literally am living the never-ending story. But I, I would like to do my own Purple Rain style movie, but instead of from Prince's pr perspective, from the girl that meets Rockstar, becomes, gets, gets record deal, put in a movie, love story, what happens, how it ended, and then have my own movie. I, that is my goal. God knows this is something that is in me to do, and I, I am pitching this. I want to make this movie, um, The Prince and I. And then I would like to do a series that shows who I am and where I came from. Because my mother alone deserves a HBO, Netflix, Showtime. My mother, the story about her deserves its own 
show called Mother Shadow, like, or Cherry. Her, her nickname was Cherry. So I just want to do one with her alone. The, the part about my relationship with Prince, I would like for that to be in the movie because there was a while ago that I saw this French director in, in uh, France. I just discussed this. She was a uh, adult erotica director and her erotica was so sexy. Her porn erotic adult movies were so sexy and so classy and so elegant, but yet it was still adult entertainment that women loved her. Like they mm -hmm. loved the way that she presented sexuality. That mm -hmm. really stuck with me as I, I yeah, as I grew up and got older, that really stuck with me. So I have my own production company called Chocolate Tiger Production. I shoot erotic photography with body art models and dancing. But I know that when I create this movie, visually, the way that I want to see this in the dreamscape, literally smoky room with bodies intertwined type visuals, I got to make this movie. I got to make this fucking movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you don't like me to curse, but that was, I guess it's one of my favorite words. I got to make this movie. The world has to see what I experienced and how I experienced it and how it was literally a fairy tale, otherworldly fairy tale dream come true that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. Not any part of it would I trade for anything else in the world. I wouldn't. Yeah, wow. you're you're your story is your is pretty packed full of not only you know brushes with 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 fame and you know celebrities and you've got tons of stories. I would I would imagine and this includes Prince, I would imagine that that would be the only difficult part getting it into the movie scenario is is being able to fight the powers that be from it's just just the reality of it but cuz right. I there was multiple people that did ask if you were going to be writing a book and uh, yes, yes. It, I think you think you've been talking, you've been talking about a book for a long time. Is this, do you have like I, a half, a, half a book on your laptop that uh, yeah. <laughs> needs to finish? I, I do. I have, yeah. I have three books on my laptop. I need to finish and I am in the process of finishing them. Now. I just, I just released like an excerpt of one of my books recently on my Instagram and my Facebook. So I do have books that I'm doing and I know this story can be told without ever having to use Prince's name or symbol. So there's ways to get around telling one story just by using the word rock star mm. or a particular or a particular word, but the mannerisms or the dress or the way the person wore their hair can, can be used uh, without actually saying i.e who the person is but my goal is to get to get the compliments and to get permission from paisley park i want to get permission from the people who run paisley park and prince i want them to to give me their blessings and to be a part of this because all it will do is bring more financial re revenue to prince and paisley park along with they're already doing and what is this all about we all know the people who own Paisley Park now, they're doing this for the money. Are they doing this because they love Prince? I don't necessarily know that to be true. We know that it's in the hands of a lot of lawyers and a lot of people that wear suits. So I don't know who's in control, but if you hear this, I'm very willing to come and sit at a nice round table with people wearing suits and white shirts 
and have a discussion on how we can make this series and this movie happen, as well as the fact that Prince and I used to discuss a fashion line. Prince really wanted to do a fashion line, and we talked about it all the time. And although you guys have, a, you know, some things that you're selling, there's a whole line of clothes that Prince wanted to see women all over the world and men, you know, gay men, straight men. If they want to wear it, they could wear it. But, you know, there can be a rebirth of all this if this is what they really want. I'm, I'm down for it. But I'm going to tell my story one way or another, and I don't need anybody's permission because I have Prince's permission and I have God's permission. That's all I need. It's going to yeah. manifest regardless. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing, obviously, and this was something that Paisley Park said earlier, that we, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, that Paisley Park and the estate are two total separate entities. So all I can tell you is if this meeting at, gets on the books, I, I just, I beg you to be invited. I just want to sit there and just right. watch. <laughs> want to be wanna... there. Uh, so this, is, this, is, this is called creative visualization. Right, exactly. Be watching and the interviewer, Chris, everybody watching to creatively visualize a new movie about Prince and Robin Power Royal. Um, I literally have my own story. I guess my, hi, say hi, Angel. Angel wanted to say hello to everyone. So hello, Angel. say hi, Angel. She just woke up from a nap. <laughs> uh, give me two seconds. Let me get Angel uh, and some more water. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. So we're gonna so so we will we will talk we will talk for a second. Uh, we'll, wow. we'll we'll mineralize her just for a second and then we'll uh, we'll we'll bring her back in. All right. So she's coming back. She's coming back. We because we still got a, a a little bit of a section to talk through and then um okay so you guys need to go ahead and get your questions anything that she's discussed so far go ahead and just and and put them in there and we'll make sure that we kind of read off read off some of the questions as she uh talks about them but uh you guys have watched the show enough to know all the things that we say on a regular basis that we don't even have to say because you guys know that we would ask it and we would say it, if, <laughs> you know. So there's some things we just don't have to say. Um. Anyways, yeah, it's going to be. We still probably got about another half hour to go at least of of some some pretty insane questions that I've saved for last uh, that we're going to finish up. I think I got one more question regarding graffiti bridge and then we'll kind of get uh, back into some of the Prince relationship stuff and then we'll close out the night. But if you do have any questions, please make sure that you go ahead and post them. Uh, once again, Facebook has dropped us off um, yeah. because I guess probably because of, uh, it could have been anything. It could have been the NWA uh, video clip. It could have been, right. it could have been anything. Uh, so anyways, if you're on Facebook and somehow still watching us, go ahead and jump over to YouTube, youtube.com slash Funkatopia. And uh, we will make sure that uh, you guys can continue having the conversation, but go ahead and post your questions in the YouTube chat area. And we'll make sure uh, as soon as she gets back here, she'll take a quick break to uh, let the dog outside and get, get him situated. But uh, man, uh, so far it's been everything we promised yeah it's been a whirlwind of stories uh, it has truly been a whirlwind of stories surprises surprising stories too yeah and um you know what's funny is that after i talked about graffiti bridge when i was talking about the fact that that billy that who owned purple rain died mm-hmm. for some reason 
every time that I've watched that movie, I I I missed that part. I I missed it. Uh, so, anyways, okay. I think she's back. So go ahead and get your questions out if you're wanting to um, wanting to ask any questions, and we'll go ahead and get them in there. But all right, let's bring Robin back in. Robin, you good? Oh, yeah, she's good. All right, she's good. Yeah, <laughs> she's good. That water for red wine. Oh, that's always good. And um, um, I'm using a straw, so just so you know, Prince always drink red wine with a straw. <clears throat> I've been doing it my whole life now because it keeps you from staining your teeth. So for yep. those of you who are who are red wine drinkers, I learned that from Prince. So just so you know. It's also something you should do with soda as well because it keeps the sugar and the carbonation from eating away the enamel of your teeth. Well, there you go. <laughs> so All it's right. not just red wine. There you go. Handled. You learn something new every day. All right. Look, I got one. I have one more bullet point that I wanted to to say about Graffiti Bridge. And then we're going to go on to just the last section, which is, um, well, actually, it's, there's, a, there's a couple things here because I want to talk about your career in regards to Paisley Park. So we're going to move on to those thieves in the temple things, but uh, you play Morris Day's girlfriend in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, was mm -hmm. there any chemistry there? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick answer. Okay. Well. <clears throat> um, okay. So all right. First of all, well, let me let me tell you why. Number one, Morris is a, is an attractive man, so don't don't get it twisted. No, no I'm not getting it twisted. That is that Morris uh, behind? The scene was very quiet. So the character that you see, Morris Day, is different from the actual Morris Day, number one. Number two, the Morris that you see as a character is not the kind of guy I would ever go out with. So um, I don't like men that show any disrespect towards women on any level whatsoever. So that wasn't an appealing character to me, number one. And then number two, the character uh, Morris Day, the person, was pretty quiet behind the scenes and he wasn't very talkative. So um, I think it was kind of like a rule that we Prince's girls or anybody that was dating Prince at whatever time, we weren't really allowed to talk to anybody else. Like we were told, I don't want you talking to them or hanging out with them or, you know, don't be over there or come over here. So it was kind of like a known thing not to get too friendly with any of the guys who were on the set or that were around. Hmm. Gotcha. But it was okay if he did it. No, it gotcha. Well, just had relationships with other women. Oh, other yeah. Women. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. He, he could do whatever he wanted to, but oh no, you weren't alone. <clears throat> it, it's kind of Prince reminds me of the, but I guess maybe he got it from his father. I'm not sure, but Prince reminds me of here in New Orleans. Like I live in New Orleans. My mother was born and raised here. My lineage is from here. I was born and raised in Chicago, but I am currently in New Orleans. And in New Orleans, they have these tours. And you know, when you walk past the tours, the New Orleans tours. There, there's this one particular lingerie shop that has all the beautiful garters and stockings and the beautiful mannequins in the window. And when you hear the tour guide talking, you hear them say, well, in New Orleans, it was very well known that men 
of high esteem and wealth all had mistresses and they had wives and all the wives knew about it and they were comfortable with it. And it was just a part of the culture. It was almost like it was embedded in Prince's head that once you become a rock star, you should be able to have as many women as you want. Like you can break the rules. And to be honest, Prince could have had that with me. The truth, the truth. I mean, we could have, he could have had hundreds of wives. I wouldn't have had any problem with it because I love women. It, I, I would have been in it just, you know, cause I would be a lucky bitch, but no, but yeah, he, he, Prince could have had that. But the problem was, Prince was so busy trying to keep us apart because he didn't want us all to know that he was using the same game on everybody, the same words, the same things, doing the same stuff, playing the same tricks. You know, Prince played a lot of mind games and the truth is the truth. I know there are a lot of people out there that love Prince, but as a woman, as a person in a relationship, would you continue to stay in a relationship with someone who keeps playing mind games with you and just never comes with the truth. Like, this is what I want. This is how we're going to do it. Let's make a plan. I'm that kind of girl. Like, Thieves in the Temple. Let's get back to Thieves in the Temple. Mm. In Thieves in the Temple, if you notice behind me, the lyrics are saying Moses leading. it. Like, there were words in the background talking about me. In Thieves in the Temple. I truly believe that because I was I was trying to explain to Prince that you could have this kind of lifestyle like you could have this. But at that time, I had just met Donald at Paisley Park at a party. So Prince got wind that I was having conversations with someone else right in the middle of making Thieves in the Temple where Um, I met Donald at Paisley Park. So, yeah, so that's where the ripple began that a lot of people don't they don't know about. But the reason that I had my conversation with Donald was because um, there was a party. Let me explain. There was a party at Paisley Park. Prince was the DJ. We were dancing. He stopped DJing and he started dancing with me. So we were dancing at this great party, everybody was there. We're having a fabulous time. We're really enjoying each other, Prince and I on the dance floor. I'm his girl, everybody knows it. It's it's everybody in Minneapolis knew, okay, I'm the new girl, I'm Prince's girl, whatever, at that particular time, for that moment in time. Um, So we're there and all of a sudden Sheila E walks in. So when Sheila walks in, Prince sees Sheila and Prince stops dancing with me. And he goes back to be the DJ again. And I'm like, what the fuck? So you gonna stop dancing with me because Sheila walked in the door? Are you kidding me? Like, obviously, sir, you don't know me that well. Like, to be honest, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna really play these games with you. So he goes and he's DJing and then they're talking at the DJ booth. So I decided, okay, you wanna talk to Sheila you just literally stopped dancing with me. He didn't stop like mid record. He waited till the record was over and then went back to the DJ booth. So <clears throat> I see this guy literally at the front door. Like this guy walks in at the front door and he's super tall. And when he walks in, he has on a leather coat from here all the way down to his ankles. And I asked Jerome Benton, 
I said, Jerome, who is that? And he said, I think that I think that's Donald Royal. And I can't see his face. I can only see his silhouette and the shadow. But he's literally touching damn near the top of the door at the entrance of Paisley Park. So <clears throat> Prince has already pissed me off. I'm looking at this guy walking in the front door. So there's some football player that's trying to get my attention. And Jerome says, Robin, this football player want to meet you. And it was some famous football player. I don't want to say his name. It's not important. But when Jerome introduces me to the football player, I reach out to shake the football player's hand while Prince is over talking to Sheila. I reach over to shake his hand. But as I'm looking to shake his hand, I look at the guy at the door and I say, Jerome, who is that? And I'm reaching for this guy. This guy gets pissed off and snatches his hand back and goes, bitch. And Jerome said, hold up, dude. Who are you talking to? Man, this is Prince's woman. You will get put the fuck out of here. And the dude was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. But, yo, man, I was trying to holler at her. And Jerome was like, dude, like, no, we, we don't do that here. Jerome was like my, my bodyguard. Like, he really took care of me in that moment. So <clears throat> he said, I think that's Donald Royal. I think he played for the Timberwolves. I was like, oh, okay. So then later on, I see Donald in the party. And Prince is talk still talking to Sheila. I'm still pissed off. And so Donald's dancing. He starts dancing. And I'm like, look at this big six foot eight dude breaking down like a male stripper on the dance floor. Like, who is this? Like, who is this dude? So I look at Prince. He's still talking to Sheila. I walk up to Donald mid before he could leave the dance floor. So the first girl left the dance floor that he was dancing with. I walk up to him and say, do you want to dance? And he looks at me and goes, are you talking to me? I said, do you want to dance or not? Do you want to dance like right now? Like, don't say no, dude. Don't don't you freaking embarrass me. You better say yes. So <laughs> so he said, yeah, yeah, I want to dance. And Prince, uh, Prince saw me dancing with Donald. And then Prince asked a makeup artist that was just one of the girls that did makeup. Not not somebody you like would see him dancing with like one of the quote unquote one of his girls at the party. Just like one of the girls that worked on the staff. So he asked her to dance, but when he dances next to me, they're catacorn like this. So Prince is here, she's here. Donald is there, and I'm here. So I hear this voice, God, in my head, don't look at Prince, don't look at Prince, because once you make eye contact, you're going to have to leave the dance floor. So I'm looking at Donald. I'm not breaking, like, I'm looking at Donald. I'm not going to look at you. You really have pissed me off. And I'm looking at Donald, and then all of a sudden, Donald starts breaking it down like a male stripper again. And I'm like, oh, my God. This big six foot eight basketball player is dancing like a male stripper. And Prince is right there getting so mad, like he's getting furious. And then when the record was over, Prince snatched me by my arm really hard in front of everyone, drags me into a back room where um, he had jam sessions at, takes me by my shoulders and pushes me down in the chair and say, don't move. And I was like, oh, you pissed now? Oh, now you mad. Oh, okay. So I just sat there and I kind of giggled to myself, like, okay, like I'm from Chicago. Excuse my expression, nigga. You playing with the wrong one. Like, don't play with me like that. So when uh, Prince came back in the room, people started coming in the room and I was like, okay, what's going on? There was a party going on. Like, what happened? And the party was over. Prince went and told everybody the party, or I guess told somebody to tell everybody that the party was over. Prince invited people in for a jam session and Prince did a performance in the jam session room 
probably to about nine o'clock the next morning, Prince danced all night and performed, I guess to show me like who the fuck he was, who this is me. I'm Prince. Like, are you really going to talk to this dude in my house while, you know, you know, at my party? So Prince performed for me and I watched. And uh, the next day, by this time, I had gotten an apartment with some roommates. So I went to the apartment. I didn't go to Prince's house because he was pissed at me. So I went I went to the apartment and um, the next day, Prince called me at nine o'clock in the morning and Thieves in the Temple was playing on all the speakers. Like Thieves in the Temple was playing everywhere. So Prince asked me, what should I do with this song? I said, you should put it in the movie. I like it. You should put it in the movie. Prince used to ask me all the time, what should I do with this? What should I do with this song? What should I do with Maite? You should put her in your band. You should put her on stage. What should I do with that? What should I do with my clothing line? And um, I always gave my opinion and Prince hmm. did what I said or my whatever my opinion was, Prince followed through. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I know Prince, I, I've heard multiple stories of, of Prince kind of getting getting kind of ruffled because things happen that he kind of feels like, you know, if he's in his environment, he's in Paisley park, it's his home. He should have control. He should be, he's king. That's he's king of his own castle. And when things start going down that don't align with whatever it is that he's envisioning, things just go haywire, especially when you're dealing with some of his insecurities too, because he's always been insecure about his height. And now all of a sudden you're dancing with a six foot eight dude but see, I knew, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I knew that. You because knew that, you knew that going Prince, in. Prince asked me one time we were at the club and Prince asked me why, uh, why do girls like tall dudes? Like they too tall to even kiss them. And I said, you know, print, women like to feel protected. They like tall men. It's just, you know, it's just nature. So I knew that Prince didn't like it. And I literally chose the tallest guy in the room to piss him off. <laughs> that's wrong, girl. That's, that's and you stop dancing with me to talk to Sheila. I understand she's your friend, but I was just laying on your pillow last night. So really? Like you don't treat me like that? No, no. I really do have a lot of self-respect for myself. And I wasn't the only one that saw what he did. Everybody saw what he did. Everybody saw Prince dancing with me for a lot of songs. And then all of a sudden, as soon as Sheila popped in, he stopped. And I guess Sheila gets that respect and I give it to her. I mean, I had a crush on her too. So I was down for that program as well. Me, yeah. Sheila, and, and Jill Jones could have got it going. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of us have kind of gone down the Jill Jones and, and yeah. Sheila E. Yeah. yeah. They were beautiful. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Yeah, Sheila he hasn't. She's still, she's still she's beautiful. Still. As all the, all those women are still, still. still ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you just, uh, uh, didn't you see something recently with with Jill Jones that you hadn't seen? You, you were talking about something you and I were talking mm -hmm. before. What was uh, the Jill Jones that you got? Uh yeah, yeah. So I just, I just recently saw an interview. I guess she did it like two years ago, but I just saw it just a couple of days ago. And Jill is says that she saw Prince before he crossed over and that they were having a conversation and that Jill told Prince um, that the relationships that she had developed with Apples and with uh, Vanity, that those type of relationships with the women from Prince's world ended up being the best relationship she ever had in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. And she said that Prince turned around and said, oh, now you down with it? <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's like you weren't down with it then, but now you're down with it. And Jill was like, well, yeah, I think I am. So I don't know if you're bisexual or not, Jill, but I got some fantasies for you, like, girl, for real. No, for real, though, for real, though. Uh, yeah, she said, she said that she probably wished that she had been a little bit more open-minded back then because I'm sure Prince probably wanted to do some girl-on-girl -girl stuff with her. And I really have never heard of any other woman talking about Prince doing girl-on-girl -girl activity but me. I've never heard any other girl say that they were in a threesome with another girl in Prince yet. But me. Now, there's a couple and stories there, too, because you you said now Prince would actually get in into the mix because I, I think, you, see, you and I have talked offline uh, uh, a lot, too, but, you know, I thought he just liked to, he obviously liked to film other women, from what I hear, if I'm wrong or not, as far okay. as... Um, not, Prince never filmed no, Prince never filmed me with another woman. Okay. Hmm. So, so no, Prince was with us. <laughs> we were busy. Okay. No. The, the only okay. filming that Prince did was of me dancing for and showing, you know, Insatiable. The Insatiable video. But um Gotcha. Okay. The, I, young, I I the, the young lady shooting the Insatiable video with the camera. Uh-huh. That's my friend. Oh, okay. I introduced her to Prince. So, yeah, that's a that's a very good friend of mine. So, let's just say I was a little bit more intertwined in things than people know. Uh, the Get Off video. A lot of people talk about the fact that it was like an orgy type material in the background. I do believe that I had a big influence on that because we had threesome, and that type of feeling was in our in our um, essence when we were creating you know, those beautiful moments together. Um, but he wrote Get Off because we were in a club in LA and Prince and I were having a conversation. A lot of times we would be in clubs talking. We wouldn't be in there watching girls dance and what was going on. Sometimes we did, but most of the time we would, we would be having serious conversations about music. So we were talking about music and I told Prince, I said, you know, you really are losing your audience. Oh, he didn't like hearing that shit. No. Hmm. Prince turned around and was like, what are you talking about, Robin? And I said, you're losing your black audience. I said, you don't make music the way that you used to. And then Prince said, what do you mean? I said, you used to make some really sexy, funky music. I said, and that is what drew your black audience in. That, that's what drew me in. I said, and you don't make music like that anymore. He said, I can, I can make music like that whenever I want. He said, um, but the way that he described it is he said, Prince said, uh, there's a glass ceiling on black music. You can only go so far. Uh, how do you word it? That's true, though. You can only go so far. In, in pop music, there's no glass ceiling. That's what Prince said. So that's why Prince went from pretty much black R&B, erotica, whatever, to pop. And I said, well, if you keep going in that direction, you're going to lose your audience. And then Prince just sat there and looked at me. But I was very honest. I was not an ass kisser. Anybody will tell you that no, especially Jerome. I was not an ass kisser. I'm going to tell you exactly mm -hmm. how I feel. That's a lot of what happened with my music because Prince wrote music for me that I didn't want to use. And we actually got into an argument about it because I told Prince that song does not work for me. I'm from Chicago. I want to write about the way I grew up and my experiences and be more of an inspiration to the world and do me 
but you got me singing Game Boys. That's not me. So he ended up giving that song to Carmen Electra, by the way. I really don't care. But um, when Prince wrote this kind of music, that wasn't the kind of music that I wanted to do. So I was honest about it. And I was honest about him losing his black audience. And the reason that I knew is because when I would talk to other people, they were like, oh, I really don't listen to Prince music anymore. I like his older stuff like Darling Nikki and Head and Controversy, but this new stuff, like, yeah, I'm not into it. Which is really reminiscent of Graffiti Bridge in the fact that more people were listening to Morris's music and people, Prince had a small strange crowd at, at Glam Slam because mm -hmm. supposedly people weren't into his spiritual, into the spirituality music. So it was very reminiscent of Graffiti Bridge at the time and the moment that we talked about Get Off. So when I tell you I was with Prince, Prince sent me back to the house in the Hollywood Hills. I went back up to the house, thought Prince was going to meet me up there. Prince did not show up. Next thing I know, I get a call the next day from Minneapolis saying, be on the red eye at 11. Where are you? I'm in Minneapolis, be on the red eye at 11. The limo will pick you up. I'm like, okay. So I get in the car, get to pace, I mean, get to the airport, go to the hotel. And normally, no, get to the limo. Normally I go to the hotel and wash up, change my clothes, get super sexy, whatever. This time the limo driver was like, no, Prince said, bring you straight to Paisley Park. I was like, okay, this is different. So we get to Paisley Park and I go into Studio A where the candles are lit and the incense is burning and Prince is sitting there waiting with a big old smile on his face and Prince said, sit down. And then he said, no, stand up. And I was like, okay. And I was like a beat meter. So when Prince was making music for Graffiti Bridge, every time something would come on and I was in the studio, I would start dancing. My body moves involuntarily to music, literally. If it's good music, I cannot not dance. So when Get Off came on the speakers, I immediately went straight to the speaker and put my ear on the speaker like I would do because I grew up with house music in Chicago. And I grew up going to underground clubs at like two, three in the morning and dancing by the speakers all night long. Like literally to my clothes, I could just drench the, the sweat out of my clothes at 12 o'clock, leaving dark clubs down in the warehouse district at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, because I've been there all night long for 12 hours doing nothing but dancing. So I put my ear on the speaker like I would do, and and he played Get Off. And I started dancing, and Prince knew at that moment. I mean, Prince knew it was a hit before I got there. But Prince knew at that moment that he had me. Like, you said I couldn't do it, or I wasn't doing it. I can show you that I could get on a motherfucking flight, go home, and be within 12 hours have a complete hit that the world is going to fall in love with, including all black people. Robin, I got your ass. And Prince got me. He played Get Off, and I was like, yes. And then when it said curly hair, wish he had some draws on, stone freak to the bone, I knew that was me. Come on. Only 11% of the world got curly hair, baby. I'm one of those 11. Hello. <laughs> Butterscotch, curly hair, don't freak to the bone. Yeah, that was me. All right. <laughs> yes. One night stands. Yes, because Prince met girls with me that we had liaisons with that never happened again. So we had some one night stands with friends that were mine that were not one night stands, but for him, 
And then we had liaisons where, to be honest, I endured a lot with Prince. We had liaisons where Prince went behind my back with girls that I introduced him to and continued relationships without my knowledge. How about that? Put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. Wow. So. And then then threw the relationship in my face and still, I still was there. Never asked to leave. Never once was like, Robin, I'm done. No, I left. I left. It was more like an ultimatum. You live in my world the way my world is, or you do it with somebody else. I was like, peace out. I'll do it with somebody else. And I did. Mm. So to kind of close out this section, though, I am curious. Um, so we're going to close out this section. I've I got one little question, and then I want to talk about Chocolate Tiger for a second. Okay. To kind of close it out so you can kind of do a little bit of promotion, too. Because definitely there's there's some folks here that are probably interested in that for sure. Um, so Prince becomes a Jehovah's Witness. The whole the whole script flips. Yeah. And uh, considering everything that you've seen and everything that you were involved in and everything, and um, how, what was your perception? You know, kind of watching all this unfold unfold and having and and seeing him transform into, uh, you know, much more spiritual focused individual, or do you feel like. Wait, wait, wait. Prince was always spiritually focused Mm -hmm. from the beginning, from, from, from the for you album, Prince was always spiritually focused, but this is the thing about Prince that God, God, God made sure that I was a part of Prince's life because I always felt even while I was there, that Prince was always searching. There was always this yearning, this searching for the answers to to the entire universe. Like, it was like a sponge. Prince just wanted more and more and more and more and more, but really searching for the entire essence of God. And I can understand how the sexuality intertwines with the spirituality, because having an orgasm is one of the most spiritual things that an individual can ever have in their lives. A lot of women still to this day have never had an orgasm. So coming from someone who knows the Karma Sutra, who knows how to give and receive one whenever I want to or feel like it, the power of that is very special. And Prince's eroticism and femininity that drew women in the nurturing part, but still being so much a masculine man, but then having the street knowledge, like a, a, a street hood nigga, all that stuff combined created this one of a kind, never to be seen again individual that is uniquely a gift to this world. But Prince was a woman, a womanizer. Like, Everybody knows Prince was a womanizer. God sent a lot of beautiful women into Prince's life. Prince had a lot of chances to redeem love and to truly have it and harness it and create a beautiful existence. But Prince was very selfish. And in trying to 
keep everything either separate or private or hidden or me, 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 everything just dissipated because that's not what God wants. God wants you to be open and honest and kind and loving and sharing. And the Jehovah's Witness is not open. They are not honest. They are not kind. They are not loving. They are not sharing. It is a very closed, uh, a closed world that you never really ever hear about them doing for others. Like, where's the Jehovah's Witness in Africa? Why aren't there villages being built? Where are the schools? Where are the hospitals? Where's the money? Don't, excuse me, fuck with me when it comes to religion and spirituality and churches because all these mega churches that all they do is get more money and build more mega churches, but yet, you have a whole congregation. Half the people can't pay their rent or their light bill. Where's the list that says that says everybody who has a bill that has been in this congregation since yesterday has put anything in this pot? Let's go down this list and make sure that all these people are taken care of. So every religion that Prince ever explored, any religion that anybody out there you may be a part of, if they're not doing that, then it's time for a new a new way of living, not a new religion, not just spirituality, but a whole new fucking plan. And well, a lot, of people, may be, a lot of people will be very surprised. Let me let me say this one thing. Okay. A lot of people are going to be very surprised. I have a lot of people that I know in the entertainment industry, a lot of very powerful people with a whole lot of money. And I hope one day this goes across their desk, their computer, their phone, their tablet or whatever. But God has a really big plan. It's huge. And guess what? I'm the messenger. Little old Robin, the ones that you've been watching for 35 years in so many different things your whole entire life, but never once could put your finger on it, that I'm the same fucking girl. I'm the same girl that's been from here to here, and I'm still here. I never left. I have over 700 videos on YouTube. I have Instagram, Twitter. YouTube, I have everything. I never left. I've always been here, but there is a bigger plan. And I just so happen to be the messenger, the one that they probably least expect. And Prince is with me. So this is a plan, a really big plan. And one day I, I plan to sit with the proper kings and queens in this industry. And we're going to come together and we're going to do something important and build a legacy for our people in Africa. In Africa, let me repeat myself, in Africa, there, there is a plan B for Africa. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to give that, that message and to be the catalyst to make sure that this plan B gets accomplished. So, yeah, I've had yes. this plan for 20, 25 years. I've been sitting on this golden nugget. I'm the golden goose. <laughs> well, and I know that you're the the company that you set up, but tell people about Chocolate Tiger and obviously its involvement in in Africa because there's a piece of that that actually connects to that. So, can you speak speak on that a little bit as far as what Chocolate Tiger is and also that okay. that part of it? Well, Chocolate Tiger Productions is a multimeter multimedia entertainment company for women of all nationalities. So I worked with Playboy. We talked about Playboy. I did mm -hmm. the women of color. No, Prince did not, did not 
advice for me to be in the Women of Color series. But Prince did arrange for me to have a photo shoot with Playboy for Graffiti Bridge, which the, which the pictures were never released because Playboy wanted more information about Graffiti Bridge and Prince refused to give them more information about the movie, so they never released the pictures. So I was told that if I ever did another movie or HBO or Showtime or Netflix or whatever series, if I ever do a series or a movie, a major motion picture or an album, that they would release it. But as we know, Playboy is no longer Playboy. It's online. But um, those pictures were never released. I have pictures of them. I know what I did. But they were never released. I also did another photo shoot with Playboy in Hawaii on a black sand beach. They have thousands of pictures of me that I've never seen literally laid out on a beautiful black sand beach in Hawaii. I can't wait to see that. Um, but I did do videos. I did uh, four videos for the Playboy channel. And those videos were just me auditioning and being chose. Um, someone giving me information about doing videos for the Playboy channel. So the one, the um, how to reawaken your sexual powers video and the erotic weekend getaway video that I did for the Playboy channel, those videos, um, I got that on my own, again, with no agent, no manager. So no, Prince did not do that. Um, but what was I saying before that? Let me get back to that, because I, I got back to the Playboy. What was I saying before that? We were talking about the Chocolate Tiger Chocolate Productions. And, and the so, yeah, so Chocolate Tiger Productions is, is like Playboy, but instead of bunnies, it's body art. So if you, you go to one of our events, we would have young ladies painted up topless, uh, in in body art from tigers to cats, fairies, angels, uh, lingerie, and they are actually the atmosphere. We have food, we have uh, fashion shows, we have music that I produce. I am a music producer. I currently have music on uh, uh, Spotify, on iTunes, on TikTok. I have 30-something songs, um, uh, YouTube. I also have my own vault of music that I'm just now presenting to the world. So you guys are going to get a lot of music as, as this ball keeps rolling. I'm just now releasing it. So I produce all my own music. I write all my own lyrics and I do the vocals. I do everything myself. I do. I am working on some projects with some other artists as well right now. Um, but that music is included in Chocolate Tiger Productions, so you'll get to hear my music in the background with other erotic music. So the whole Chocolate Tiger Productions is like Playboy, but for but for women of all nationalities. We all know that Playboy really focused on your blonde hair, blue eyed girls. It just is what it is. You would get maybe two black girls or one black girl every year, one Asian, one Hispanic, one dark haired a Caucasian white girl, and then the rest were your blonde hair, blue eyed girls. So it was very um, biased. We know that it was biased. So I wanted to create something for all women. And then some women don't feel comfortable um, being just out nude, but they love their bodies, but they don't want people to see them nude, but they'll do body paint. Man, I got some lawyers in there. I got some girls that I've worked with that nobody would ever believe that it was that person because they can actually hide behind the body paint and become more of an exhibitionist because they're wearing body paint. So um, not only is it culturally a part of who I am spiritually, uh, part of me is from Africa and part of me is 
Cherokee Indian. So body paint is culturally a part of who I am and being comfortable with my body, nudity, my sexuality, music, erotica, all those things just came together in a combination. Now in the beginning, Chocolate Tiger Productions did, I will be honest, started out as a money making venture more for um, like porn erotic, like it, it was leaning more towards porn pornography than it was just being sexy, classy, erotic. And God reeled it back, like reeled me back and said, no, Robin, that's not what we want from you. We what we want, which is God, all the angels, ancestors, prince, everybody, what they wanted, what they want from me is to be myself, to enjoy what I'm doing as an adult, to create adult entertainment for adults. Everybody forgets like all these so-called Prince fans that have these negative things to say about me and being naked and my sexuality. All y'all, all y'all motherfuckers forgot. <laughs> that crawled across the floor naked in when doves cry, butt ass naked, and nobody had a problem with it. And he's a dude. But when a female who's naturally supposed to be comfortable with her body and her sexuality, as soon as she shows a side boob, y'all got something to say. So I don't even want to hear it. Prince started mm -hmm. out in a thong, high heels, and high socks up his knees. So you can be hypocrites if you want to, but don't, don't throw rocks at what you might think is my glass house because my house is not going to crumble. Yours will. I guarantee you that. So be very careful what you say about me because this is God's plan. I'm like the Blues Brothers. Remember the Blues Brothers? They uh -huh. were on a mission from, mission God. from God. No matter what happened, in Blues Brothers, no matter what catastrophe, God always made sure that they were safe because they had a mission for the orphanage or whoever they had it for. I am literally, my King David and I, we're the Blues Brothers, literally. There's a bigger plan. Chocolate Tiger Productions, which means music, body art, reality television, music, Shows the whole nine yards. I was going to say DVDs, but people really aren't playing DVDs as much as they used to. So whatever it is that we offer as an entertainment company, magazines, events, body art, whatever it is that we do, a very large portion, actually my portion of Chocolate Tiger Productions is going to go to create, which still has not been created yet because this is a private, a private foundation that is supposed to be built with other individual units of power in the entertainment industry, we're all supposed to sit together and build a private foundation called the Paradise for the Children of Haiti and Africa Foundation that will go to Africa, acquire land, and bring orphans from Haiti and all over Africa into a safe space where they will be fed, loved, educated, clothed, cared for, and um, taught what people might consider a new religion or spirituality. They'll be taught what real love is. Like I like to do Forrest Gump. I know what love is and I know what it ain't. Mm -hmm. And I just so happen to be the person that has been chosen to bring this message to the world. I don't care what people think. I don't care what they have to say. 
I don't care who thinks that they can judge me because only God can judge me. And as long as I do this the right way and keep this under the umbrella of entertainment and understand that it's created for adults by adults and no children will be harmed in the making of anything that I'm doing, that everything that I'm doing is for their benefit. I always like to, to use this analogy or this, I like to say this. When you go out into the world, how many people do you see? Uh, oh, on a regular basis? Um, yeah. <laughs> a couple of hundred, depending on where I'm going. When you watch TV, how many people do you see? When I'm doing what? I'm sorry. When you watch television. Uh, Movies. On the TV. No, period. <laughs> in your life, every day, in every interaction, how many human beings, actual people, do you see? Oh gosh, I mean, it it, it could range, but this, it's a lot. You can there could be hundreds of people that you can see in a day. God forbid I go to a mall. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? A man and woman had to fuck to create them. So everybody that you see, if they not clones, everyone that you see, someone had to have sex, interact to create every living human being on this planet. But yet, the one act that everybody has to do to procreate another human being is the thing that they try to hide in the closet. Being sexy is a sin. It's a taboo. Sexuality, body art girls, showing your titties, showing sexy pictures, being in Playboy. Since when did everybody get so high and mighty that just being sex or being sexual, or even just being sexy is a sin. It is not. I'm here so that individuals will leave my parties, grab their woman or their man, and go home and fuck and make a baby. I've done my job. <laughs> and I'm going to drink on that one. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> so if people wanted to find out more information about Chocolate Tiger Productions, exactly where would they go to? Well, actually, you can go to Instagram and you can put the Chocolate Tiger Factory, all one word. You can also put Robin underscore power underscore royalty on Instagram. You can just Google Robin Power Royal. I'm going to make this really simple. Google Robin Power Royal and then just start pressing buttons. So go down the line. It'll take you to my Twitter. My Twitter takes you to every link that I have on all social media. And then if you want to get to my videos on YouTube or Venmo, all you have to do is go to videos at the top of Google. So you want to Google Robin Power Royal. You mm -hmm. want to Google Power Angel Baby, which is a whole nother world of mine in this universe. Uh, all one word, Power Angel Baby. My name is Power, which Prince gave to me. I am an angel. I crossed over when I was 15. That's in my book. That's another story. And I'm going to always be my mother's baby girl. So that's where Power Angel Baby comes from. And Chocolate Tiger Productions. So Google Chocolate Tiger Productions, all one word. And everything that I talk about with the Paradise of the Children of Haiti and Africa Foundation is in that um, Google list. And there is a link on my, uh, on my Instagram, on all my Instagrams, as well as my Twitter. That's my tree. I'm the Robin Bird. Twitter is my tree. You can always find out what I'm doing on Twitter. 
there are links there where you can support me. It'll there that will lead you to my YouTube, everything that you need to see. And there's also a little support button with a dollar sign. So if you'd like to support me, my goal is to become a, a, a content creator full time as 24 hours a day. I'm serious. Full time, 24 hour a day content creator. Wow. So I cannot be at two places at once. I can't be working a job, someplace running around trying to hustle and make money and be here and entertain you at the same time. God has always shown me that one day this camera was going to go on and it was never going to go off. So I'm I'm getting to that point closer and closer. The more support I can get and make sure the lights stay on so the camera stays on and I can charge the phone, then we can get to this. So I just made a thousand subscribers on TikTok which means I can go live. I'm about to start going live on YouTube and I'm going to divide my day between we go live, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. That should cover a 24 hour day. Well, girl, I tell you what, you have given us a lot. Uh, you giving us lots of stories and lots of background. And I know that people are go are Googling, Googling your name and Googling chocolate tiger productions. One word. And there, you're going to find all kinds of stuff. You're going to go all the way down major, major rabbit holes if you search for uh, search for all those things. Robin, thank you so, thank you. so much for can joining us. Can I say one more thing? Of course. I have music. And I also create my own DVD. So I'm going to say this now because one day somebody's going to be like, yo, I got a Robin Power Royal DVD from like three years ago or two years ago or six months ago or two days ago. Um, that's very sexy. That's very erotic. Did you know she was butt ass naked in it? So um, I have these DVDs floating around that are limited edition of my Chocolate Tiger adult entertainment erotica show that is actually about two hours long. So each show is two hours long and all the music that I'm performing to dancing topless or whatever I'm doing in that particular video, my music is in the background. The reason I created this show was because I wanted people to listen to my music. So God said, if you give them something to look at, they'll be mesmerized by the music and they'll hear the music while they watch you. So give them something to look at. So I created these DVDs. So when you go into my Instagram, which has my phone number on it, Robin underscore power underscore royalty. TikTok is power royal with the number one. Um, power angel baby is my Twitter. When you go into these mailboxes, if you would like to order the digital downloads on DVD of my show, or you would like to order any of my art that you see. I have my own t-shirt company. Not only do I create my own designs, if you have a family reunion and you wanted to say Johnson Family Reunion 2023, I can make that for you. Baseball caps, whatever you want on a t-shirt, I can create that. But I'm also a visual artist. I am a muralist. I am a fashion designer. So you can actually show support in anything that I do. You can order artwork to be commissioned that I can actually create any size that you would like and have it shipped directly to you. And you can order my music on a flash drive and I can send you the flash drive with 20, 30, 100 songs. I have more than that that I would choose. And you can just pop it in and listen to my music with my lyrics, my words, that I create in my hermit world 
for the last however 25 years that I've locked myself away creating visuals and erotica and music. So if you're interested, I could really use the support. I would appreciate you guys. And just leave me a message. My phone number is there. You can text me and I will have it in the mail to you ASAP. Yeah. So I would, awesome. it, again, you can find her at all those different different ways that uh, you just heard. Please make sure that you reach out and check out Absolutely. some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, have you? Uh, yeah, all of you guys too. Let me know. Yeah. I mean. I guarantee you, I, I'll give you something to talk about for sure. Oh, you already have. <laughs> you have. Wait, 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 wait. Chris, you put that warning. Like you were like warning. This, <laughs> you get these DVDs, it's going to have to be warning with three X's, like X, X, X. <laughs> That's right. right. I did. I I told him. I warned him, Robin. I told him. I said okay. it's coming. You got to get ready. You better get ready. No, this has actually been kind of light compared to. I know. I know. Yeah, and, we've, yeah, we've been very we've been very respectful. Right. That was that was that was important. <laughs> that was the important part. Robin, thank you so so much for joining us here tonight, and it has been amazing. And thank we will make sure we post some of that contact information for you uh, also uh, later on on our Facebook page, which crossed over the thirty thousand follower mark uh, yesterday, which is amazing. So we'll make sure. Yeah, that we your Facebook. Yeah, I'm just just on Facebook. That's insane. It's ridiculous. So. So we will get enough. We will definitely try to do a follow up interview too because we're hearing oh, there's like a bunch of questions that people that still they still want to ask. So Robin, thank you so so much. Thank this you. Good night, girl. This I, this was a lot of fun. It was not what I expected, and that's beautiful because I've already made my quantum leap. The world is is just transferred to the fifth dimension. You guys were in the third dimension, and now you're in the fifth dimension. But I, sir. I am in the 12th dimension. All right. <laughs> well, send us pictures. Send us a postcard. <laughs> Thank, <Love> you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Robin Powers. Uh, wow. <laughs> powers. Was powerful. Powers. Rob, power, yeah, Robin power. Powers. She was powerful. That was great. Wow. Uh, there's loads of information. And, you know, this is the whole point of why we do this. It's it's that candid, real, yeah, um, and that's that's what we want, and that's that's a beautiful thing, and um, that was great. Okay, yeah, there's a lot there, and I know that you know a lot of people were, um, there was probably a lot of people who wanted or not. I don't mean to say expected, but you know, expect us maybe to get a little bit more debaucherous or whatever, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys know us. It's like we have to, there's this like fine line that you kind of yeah. have to kind of walk and it's like, dee, dee, dee. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, we try to get as, as much of the stories as we possibly can uh, for you um, and still, and still be respectful and still, still be able to you know, not do anything to, you know, to tarnish anything. And, and there was right. so much that we we knew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. I mean, there was so much stuff that the stories are out there and somebody's going to come and somebody's going to tell them, but uh, yeah. Right. Plus you can, you can have a great show without falling into uh, those places that a lot of that we could have fallen into still a great show. And mm. there'll be time for that too. It's just, 
<laughs> you know, this was this was great. Yeah, it's uh, man, what a night. Well, I got to tell you, it's been amazing. We had an amazing time. It's been great. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will put up the edited version. If you missed any of it, we will put up the edited version, which kind of cuts off the pre-show stuff and then cuts off this stuff as well. And uh, we'll put it up there and you can listen to it on Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify and iHeartRadio and all those as well. So we're going to get this up ASAP. Uh, we'll get It would just be the audio version. You don't get the video version, unfortunately, when you listen on those uh, platforms. But... It will be out there, so you'll hear it on um, Spotify, again, iHeartRadio, all, all the places that you listen, and mm -hmm. uh, it's out there. Just look for Funkatopia Live, and you will find it. It's been amazing. Had a great, great night, everyone, and uh, I hope you guys did too. I mean, did you feel like you learned something tonight, Jeff? Oh, man, plenty, plenty. And and uh, Robin was was that coffee. She's that she was that hit of espresso that <laughs> she's that high energy, man. It was like, go, go, go. And so, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I had I had like three questions that were was was coming out when she was kind of going off on the on the Jehovah's Witness thing. And uh, I I. I just had to stop myself because I knew I said, oh, boy, if I go yeah. down this, if, if I, if we go down this rabbit hole, we going to be down here for a while. Right. I had to be careful. Um, but um, we got some really, really great shows coming up in 2023. I can't tell you exactly what they are, but uh, you know, us, we've kind of talked about them in the closing of 2022. So we got some really, really cool stuff. Hey, remember uh, tune back in, in about, but, uh, 10, 15 minutes from right now where you will be able to purchase this brand new Welcome to Funkatopia WTF. Welcome to Funkatopia coffee mug. Very, very cool, uh, awesome coffee mug that will be on our store, funkatopia.com slash shop. That will uh, be out there and um, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, this is just a neat coffee mug. I, I was going to drink from it all night, but uh, I wanted to be able to showcase the inside that was purple. <laughs> And, and I couldn't do that. Anyways, Jeff, it's been amazing, man. Good this night. Good stuff. Good night. Yes. And um, yeah, we're going to have lots of, lots of fun coming up in 2023. So I hope you guys are ready. Good night, everyone. We'll see y'all later. Thank you for turning into Funkatopia Live. Thank you to our special guest, Robin Power Royal. We'll see you at some point. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night.